0: being hyperbolic but Hayden running backs really matter for fantasy football in fact if you didn't start with one running back in the first two rounds last year you were basically shit out of luck in underdog fantasies half point ppr best ball in fact starting you know running back running back
1: pretty damn good idea too are those two statements are those two facts legitimate I think in half PPR best ball, it's totally viable. It doesn't mean that last year's data is going to be fully reflective of this year. But we have a top 15 uh, on our rankings. And I think there's a little bit of a teardrop. And outside of injuries, it's kind of hard to see how any of those top 15 backs are like really going to fail. Um, but at the same time, there are some sleeper candidates just like last year that we have to nail. James Conner, Leonard Fournette. So I think a highlight of today's show. Amy gonna Harris, excuse Jamie. me. Well, not necessarily to the degree of Whoa, he helps people win millions of dollars last season. Sure, 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 sure. But I mean, even Damian Harris included. We're going to be prioritizing the 220-pound backs, you know, not the 200-pound backs that are playing on third downs that have uh, great yards per route run uh, in your full PPR league. We're talking about the guys that are going to score maybe 10 touchdowns this year. Those are going to be the priority picks. I don't if if you're getting nine points from your running back in in Best Ball Mania Three, guess what? You're winning zero dollars. So we're going for upside only here, and that's how I'm doing my rankings.
0: Hayden's in a mood today. I absolutely love it. Today, it's full running back rankings, complete running back rankings. We'll go, as Hayden said, starting off with a lot of the foundation backs, the feature backs, then get into a lot of the ambiguous backfields, the split backfields, and maybe the strategy that goes along with drafting those types. We have our rankings, we have ADPs, and as Hayden has pointed out multiple times, despite what the 2021 season showed you all, you
1: all still hate running backs. It's actually kind of crazy to me. I was looking at ADP on other uh, websites, which I will not name. And in those full PPR websites, the running backs are even going earlier than they are in underdog, which is a half PPR best ball website. And like right now, even from last year, the running backs are down about six to 12 spots overall in ADP. So like, for example, the running back 24 last year would have been like a fourth round pick. Now this year, he's a fifth round pick. And that happens basically all the way through the draft. So when I'm doing these drafts, I keep finding myself in like running back, running back to start. And then like Elijah Mitchell's a name in like the middle of the draft where I, like, now he's like, going to be like my flex guy. So to me, like there's some big adjustments just because the running back value is just like crazy all throughout the draft. It's not just like one singular name. And I think there was arguments about the running back dead zone just because of the age of some of like the top uh, running backs in the league. And I have like this, this dead zone tier, it's like a lot of like the 23, 24 year old. So maybe this could be a year where the running back dead zone is not as dead as typical. Wow, people might have to find a new
0: hobby if that's the case. I actually have three backs so far in all these employee drafts that we're doing, but I've drafted a whopping 34% on my teams. I'll reveal Ew. those. I'll unleash those as we go along, as we get to them. Yeah, six backs are going in the top 12 on Underdog Fantasy. 12 backs are going in the top 24 overall. So far, and there's going to be even more names outside of that, that Hayden and I really, really like a lot. Okay. Shall we get started? Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll start with our running back one. You all drafting him as the running back one. That is Jonathan Taylor. Nobody forced more tackles missed last season as a rusher 66 than JT and 106 of his first downs as a rusher were by far the most in the league and 41 more than any other back. That is ludicrous stuff. Now, here's a question that I have with Jonathan Taylor. Um, A lot of his production was a result of like individual ability, right? Because the Colts put so much on his plate and there were others that had actually a bit more opportunity. He's being drafted as the one-on-one. Can he repeat? I think as Ian Harditz pointed out for the first time since... Priest Holmes of doing that in an NFL career.
1: I mean, to me, the debate about Jonathan Taylor is really just a debate about Christian McCaffrey because to me, it's like those two are at the top of the tier. And basically it's, do you want to play with like the highest floor basically in the game with Jonathan Taylor in the prime of his career? Good offensive line, Matt Ryan, a stabilizing quarterback, his usage, his talent. There's no debating all that. To me, it's about Christian McCaffrey. Last year in his four healthy games, Christian McCaffrey scored 23, 22, 21, and 21 half PPR points. And he had the best usage in the league. So, really, at the one-on-one, it's a debate. Do you want to take the riskier higher upside bet with Christian McCaffrey, take on some of the injury risk, take on some of the Carolina Panthers risk, or do you want to play it safe with Jonathan Taylor? I'm okay with either one. I think in half PPR, maybe you go Jonathan Taylor in full PPR. I think that Christian McCaffrey is like it, possibly his ceilings in another tier. Um, so really that's the 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 debate. There's not a single bad thing I can say about Jonathan Taylor outside of maybe Christian McCaffrey's ultimate ceiling is this much higher.
0: Yeah. Let's focus on JT here just for a moment because I actually thought the usage shift last season was pretty drastic. I mean, the Colts opened three and five on the season. He averaged just 15 carries in that time. And then as we talked about during the season, I know all of you are sick with us during that time. Be sure to smash that subscribe button. Frank Reich lost total trust in, in Carson Wentz. And I'm assuming after that, their neutral pass rate dropped and Taylor then averaged eight more carries per game. Now, some of that obviously is associated with winning football games. But again, I'll go back to the fact that they were winning football games because they were taking it out of their quarterback's hands and giving it to their all world running back. I mean, he led the league in carries inside the 10. He had 10 more carries than anyone else inside the five yard line. This offense with Matt Ryan, they might trust the quarterback just a little bit more. But then the day, this is really what The offense should continue to revolve around. And the only thing that's going to step in his way is an injury. And I'm not going to be the one to predict injuries during this conversation.
1: Yeah, neither will I. If that does happen, Naeem Hines is going to be the backup. Philip Lindsay is going to be maybe like the first and second down guy. But I think that Naeem Hines for like a short period of time, can handle a three down workload. They're already saying that Naeem Hines is going to be catching some passes. I'm not going to be the type that's going to say like, Naeem Hines might be in your flex. Like if that's happening, that your team probably stinks. So I think the ultimate upside with Naeem Hines, if Jonathan Taylor misses time, I do think that he can have 10 carries and have what, five, six, seven targets. uh, Because in that scenario, the team would just pass the ball a lot more. So I'm, I'm on Naeem Hines. I think for most of the time when I'm at the one-on-one, I am going to be taking Jonathan Taylor just because I know I can get Christian McCaffrey to fall at pick two, pick three, pick four sometimes. So I I don't want to have zero Jonathan Taylor. So I think for the most part, one-on-ones there, I'm taking JT, and then the rest of the times, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey.
0: And it can be... You know, intriguing to pass on Jonathan Taylor at the one spot, go with Cooper Cup per se. And then the turn getting someone like I don't know, Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb or Leonard Fournette and a Nick Chubb. But at the same time, that team probably isn't that different than a person drafting out of the 102 who drafted Cooper Cup because then they're yeah. taking the same running backs at the turn, anyways. And as you said, nine Hines, intriguing running back 43, among other positions, that's the likes of John Dotson, Van Jefferson, Irv Smith. To a tongue of Iloa, there's the names being drafted around him. Okay. As you said, the Jonathan Taylor conversation is kind of dovetailed with the Christian McCaffrey conversation. A man that we really haven't seen that much of. Ten games played since the 2020 season. When he has played, he's always, always a top five running back in terms of usage. And while this team did sign a real backup to be his running back insurance, I think we can zoom out and say, yes, Ben McAdoo, is the new play caller, the new OC. So it's going to be a bit of a different formula here, but there is no concrete evidence that we should move away from Christian McCaffrey other than again, just playing 10 games since the 2020 season.
1: And those were like somewhat fluky injuries. Like they kind of rushed him back from the hamstring injury. I think that you can blame the Panthers, but hopefully that was a learning lesson. But to me, fantasy football is about upside. And Christian McCaffrey is the one with the highest upside last year. In those four healthy games, he averaged 20.8 expected half PPR points, which is my model that converts carries targets, how close you are to the goal line, uh, some other things into expected fantasy points. And that would have led all running backs and wide receivers last year. And it was actually 2.9 even more than Jonathan Taylor last year. So to me, this just goes back to, I think Christian McCaffrey has a high ceiling, even in half PPR in full PPR. I think it's no question. Christian McCaffrey is like basically like a miniature version of LaDainian Tomlinson. when He's healthy. I don't think that the Panthers have enough skill depth anywhere to pivot away from this. And they're going to be trailing in games just because of their quarterback play and Christian McCaffrey in week 17 against the, the freaking bucks over under 9.5 targets in that game. Like to me, I think right. Christian McCaffrey is a total smash.
0: Yeah, it's fading the best scorer ever for the position running back ever in fantasy football. Wise when the foundation of that argument is he's going to get hurt again. You know, I I don't want to be in that boat, right? He actually led the NFL in carries inside the five yard line when he was healthy in 2019. Damn. And it's crazy for a back of his size. And I don't think that he's a great short yardage runner at all, but they can use him in a variety of different ways. And from what I know about Ben McAdoo's offense, we're going to learn a lot about it. Once they hit training camp and more and more reports come out, probably going to be quick, quick hitting, you know, get the ball out of his hands and let playmakers create and Chris McCaffrey, other than DJ Moore is by far and away their, their best playmaker and the offensive line improved. And we know that that's really critical for, um, for a lot of these backs. Okay. So we saw last year and the year before, their running back insurance in Mike Davis and Chuba Hubbard and whoever else they threw out there last year was meaningful. Um, now, Deontay Foreman, I believe on a one-year deal, somewhat early in free agency, is the backup to Christian McCaffrey going as running back 60. Do you have any shares of that?
1: Well, the chat is asking who's the the handcuff and they've answered Foreman and Chuba back-to-back. To me, it's probably going to be Foreman, like maybe more on early downs, he got two million dollars, which is the same as the best ball mania three winner. That means he's draftable. Chuba Hubbard was just not very good last year. I think that's why they made Foreman a priority here. I think both of them are going to be splitting time, and like the offense would just be so bad that I don't view them as like high ceiling handcuffs. I thought that Mike Davis kind of fit that three down profile a little bit more a couple seasons ago. Um, so I think that yeah, they're fine as last round picks, but I think there's better insurance plays where I'm more confident that it's just going to be one singular talent back there instead of two. I'm with you. If Chris McCaffrey stays healthy, I would
0: not be concerned that they want to give up or divvy up any of his opportunities. And I think that narrative is going to persist a little bit because of, of his injuries. And yes, we called it Chuba is just like an average talent. And even after spending a mid round pick on him, immediately the team said, we have to upgrade, we have to upgrade in Deontay form was that even arguably Deontay might not have been the best backup running back for the Titans last year, but that's a conversation we'll have a little bit later on. Okay. We think that's like a tier to themselves at the top, obviously in JT and Christian McCaffrey. And then you get into some like the wide receiver conversation before we move on. If you are new here, the first time you're finding our channel, do one thing and one thing only take five seconds and I'm going to pause for you. Like and subscribe down to the channel. We have so many great clips, We have so many great streams, not just now, but in the future for to help you win your fantasy football league and to rake in that money on underdog fantasy. And the best way to do that right now, not only Best Ball Mania 3, making three millionaires out there, but also the puppy that just launched. And not just the normal one that we typically do. We just jumped it up 18 rounds or is it 20 rounds? 20 rounds now. 20 rounds. 20 rounds. Super flex, $5 entry go. We like to, you know, once people think they figured it out this off season, turn it on its head. And the $5 puppy is the great way to do that. If you've never played enter, whatever amount you want, Hayden will match it out of his pocket for your first deposit. If you use promo code, the show. Cool. Okay. So the top two backs we've covered, let's now jump when we're split on this. We'll start with yours. Okay. We'll start with the years. Austin Eckler. And the chargers, he was the running back three last season in half point PPR, 18.8 points per game. He's coming off a season where he scored a ludicrous amount of touchdowns, 20, 20, but just seven rushing touchdowns on 11 carries inside of the five yard line. He did have 25 carries inside the 10. So while he was typecast for so many years, Hayden as like a passing down specialist and space and air back. Now he earned and hopefully has kept the role that allows him in these short yard situations to match that touchdown upside. And that's why I'm assuming you have him as a running back three.
1: I just want the chargers, you know. Like it's just it's as simple as that. They're gonna be playing in dome games, like the 10 of their last games are in domes. You're gonna get a part of that Rams Chargers in, in the uh, fantasy football finals. And yeah, I think that Austin Eckler's put on some serious weight. The guy's has probably the coolest lifting videos outside of Derrick Henry uh this offseason and I, I think that he can be the goal line back. Obviously Isaiah Spiller is more of a threat this season, but even if he loses out on five touchdowns this year, he can still afford that and be a top five running back. I don't see how uh, really this, this falls apart unless he just gets banged up, which is the same exact conversation you can have with any of these running backs. So to me, yeah. the chargers offense is good. The offensive line is better than it has been at any point in Austin Eckler's NFL career. And he's going to be catching six, seven passes. And what happens if Keenan Allen, who's also an injury risk, who is getting up there in age, who has been declining a little bit. What if he gets banged up? How many targets is Austin Eckler going to get in that situation too? So I think that his floor is totally fine. I get that. There's some re- regression coming in the touchdown department, but he can afford that. Like, like, you could, the regression doesn't mean that he's going to score six touchdowns this year. Like it means that he's probably going to go down to 11. And if that happens, he's going to be a top five running back, even in half PPR We're talking full PPR. I think that he's locked in as an RB three.
0: So not only are you just emphatic about the individual talent of Austin Eckler, it's almost certainly and with a lot of these backs, the view at large of the team. And you just want as many shares as possible of the LA Chargers. Yep because i i mean the only question i wrote down with eckler is like if we're buying him at his peak and i think we are but the outline that you just made is even if it's the peak it's not going to dip too much because the floor is still super stable with the offensive style the offensive system and the role he plays in that offense too so i i understand both sides of this i think like there are other players with higher ceilings because we just saw his last year
1: yeah i, I hear this argument a lot with, with especially with with austin eckler and i get it like we are buying him at his peak. But like you have to say like which which running it's not an argument about if we're drafting at his peak. It's like, is there another running back that just projects better in general? And like maybe you can make that argument with Derrick Henry, maybe Dalvin Cook. But like to me, you'll be drafting Derrick Henry like near his ceiling at like Mm. uh, RB3 too. So like it's it's all relative. I still think that he's the best bet RB3.
0: So mid-round pick was spent on rookie out of Texas A&M Isaiah Spiller. He's going in drafts right now as running back 44, a much larger body, a younger player coming out of the Aggies you and I maybe weren't his biggest fans. At least I can speak for myself. I wasn't his biggest fan entering the NFL draft. I, He can improve. He can also just prove me wrong flat out. But this is one of those situations where if he's fit in my drafting style and how the draft is unfolding, I don't care what I thought pre-draft. Like I will 100% select him and have him on my rosters because we're going to find out a little bit more as we go along. But we saw what Justin Jackson did in, what, week 16 last year when the opportunity presented itself. And Justin Jackson's not even on an NFL roster right now, and obviously Isaiah Spiller is.
1: Yeah, I think the Isaiah Spiller thing, the first thing that matters most is the fit around him, the environment. And if he – and then the the second part is if – his body type can handle a full workload. If you look at Texas A&M, he was playing on third downs and was getting uh, yeah. carries. You know, he's like he has a third down profile. When we were talking about why we were down on Isaiah Spiller, to me, that was like an NFL draft kind of viewpoint where we're like, hey, maybe his explosion's not completely there. And we like some of the other talents like Rashad White who just offers maybe a little more ceiling based on athleticism. But in fantasy land, the athleticism doesn't really matter that much. If the Chargers are going to be projected to score 27, 28, 29 points, weekly and austin eckler is out of there i'm mean, you can't sell me on ucla brew josh but there's no way yeah. larry roundtree was a worse version of isaiah spiller so i think isaiah spiller's role is pretty safe uh the training camp reports have been or the mini camp reports were solid with him and i just think that he can play third all, all three downs if, if austin eckler gets uh, injured at any point so i'm going to be in on isaiah spiller
0: yeah maybe justin jackson comes back if you know early training camp reports are something different, but I'm with you. You can't come out of a Jimbo Fisher offense, be playing all three downs and not be ready as a professional. Like yep. that, that just all equates. And most likely why the Chargers felt compelled to make that move. Um, okay. So that's your running back three. My running back three is slightly different. And you didn't mention his name when talking about possible higher ceilings. It's second year player, Najee Harris. I mean, last year he was the running back, I believe five overall, like in terms of just absolute usage, there were only, I believe five backs in the league that had at least 60% of their team snaps, only one with over 70%. It's Najee Harris. Like all these backs are split, all of them, all these teams like to use multiple players kind of, except for the Steelers. And even the ones that we just outlined that have full feature backs, the Steelers are the only ones that like still haven't invested in this position. And while he's not going to be outstanding in terms of reeling off massive, massive big gains, I mean, he was only fifth last year in terms of 10-plus yard runs, this Steelers offense, from a top-down view, is going to be so much better. Like, the handoffs, the style of running game that they had last year, I think that's drastically going to change. And just the passing game and, in totality, the offensive success, I'm expecting to take a huge leap forward And I know it's not Ben Roethlisberger and it's with Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, but that's my, my review of how Ben Roethlisberger played last year and impacted everything around him.
1: The Steelers were 28th in yards per drive. They had fewer yards per drive than the jets, Falcons, Jaguars, and bears fewer than those teams. So I think this offense will get better. That will help Najee Harris, but you nailed it. Like it's to me, the Najee Harris conversation is about just workload. He led the NFL and snaps with 978 next closest with Zeke at 808. So we're talking about almost 200 more snaps than even the second uh, running back last year. Now, there is some reports that they want to subtract 100 snaps, but that's not touches. And I think that they can afford to do that. And even if he did, he would still be number one in snaps. So to me, Najee Harris, his his skill set is just that he can kind of do everything like yep. they were using him out wide he was actually first in targets as a true rookie which is insane he was second in targets split out wide or in the slot and that was only behind cordial patterson who was literally a wide receiver at some parts of the season so it's it's a skill set we're like looking at him like 240 pounds and he's playing uh outside a little bit like to me i don't see how this totally fails and we can make the argument that yeah he's probably not going to be as explosive but really this offensive just gets a little bit better his workload's right right there where i don't think that we're ever going to be ranking him like in the I'd say he's probably gonna be locked in top eight, no matter what. And I think that there's some upside. It's just the offense looks a little bit better than what we were expecting from last year. To your
0: point about maybe lacking some explosiveness that his peers do in the same area, he first 25 missed tackles as a receiver last season, 58 as a runner, but then after contact averaged less than three yards. And we'll get to some of these other backs that like were four and a half, five yards after contact. So he doesn't have that like initial juice as soon as he creates space for himself to pick up huge, massive gains, but that's okay, man. Like you just outlined, even if they take away hundred snaps, that might only be 20 touches, 30 touches for, for the entire season. And then I hated this running game. Everything was out of the gun. It was been catching it and just hanging it off. And then everything was up the middle. We know that Matt Canada wants to create motion, create space, create confusion, and then get Najee out into different alignments and hopefully he can create natural separation and space for him in, in those areas. And I I think again, with the same offensive coordinator from last year to this year, the offense is going to take massive steps in a positive direction for all the pieces.
1: Could you, do we have the tape of Najee Harris? I'd like to roll it if we can just, just to go off the explosiveness. And I think there's some upside where he might be a little bit more explosive this year. Nothing about like him personally, but that the way that they use them last year, big Ben didn't want to play from under center. Like that's just like, that's not exactly what he wanted to do. And that made him 28th in pitches and stretch runs. They would never throw the ball to the outside. He was second in terms of targets or, and carries on inside zone duo lead wham trap, which are like the classic, just like three yards in a cloud of dust carries. Uh, Hopefully that the, a little more flexibility from their quarterbacks makes them have a little more exotic type of rushes but to me yes he's not going to run derrick henry for four speed he's not going to have that but the man does have some wiggle here you can't deny yeah. that he has some wiggle he's certainly strong i think his vision's pretty good too so i think that he's kind of underrated as a talent just because we're so obsessed with like the nick chubb stuff where he's just like 70 yard touchdown we're not gonna get that with Najee harris but he can do the rest of it at a pretty high level
0: i mean he's basically the only back that we're gonna talk about that we're not even mentioning his backup you know at all literally he's running Snell. back insurance i know we're not even discussing him as someone that we want pieces of um and the stat that we i've always outlined during last season and this is going to come up when we have our wide receiver ranking show too the two shortest time throws the two quickest time to throws last year in the nfl Tom Brady at 2.5 seconds, Ben Brothersberger at 2.38 seconds. Tom Brady literally led the league in 20 plus yard passing attempts. And Ben Brothersberger just wanted to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible because he didn't want to get hit as he was on his way out and into the retirement home. And that, again, impacts the success and the possible big plays. And if you create separation for yourself as an individual, your opportunities that your quarterback's going to give you. The names are not going to be Hall of Famers and Kenny Pickett and, and Mitch Trubisky, but it was name only for the quarterback that they had. And the trickle down is going to impact all the pieces, I think, on the Steelers. So I'm I'm not in this grouping, and I've heard it that oh, the Steelers are gonna be worse this season. They're gonna take a step back. I think their offense is gonna be far more fun, far more entertaining to watch. And that's why I have Najee as the, the running back three overall this season. All
1: right, who's RB four or RB5? Yeah, RB5 for
0: us, is Derrick Henry, man. I mean, Derrick Henry, before he went down last season, was the running back one overall. 23 points per game. Significant shifts from this team, though, man. I mean, gone are A.J. Brown, gone are Julio Jones, gone is Roger Saffold, and likely a new right tackle starting this season, too. So, like, when on the field, we know Derrick Henry is a top four running back in scoring over the last three seasons, again, including the number one until he was forced out last year. So why might we have, as a, pairing for running backs ranked ahead of him
1: to me it's just like he has to be an outlier when it comes to just explosive play rate and as he gets older as he has more injuries it's kind of hard to see him hold that up now he already looks really good uh in training camp so the foot injury he came back from the foot injury last year i'm not all that concerned, but like you said, to me, just the Titans, I mean, you put them in D tier when we do our offensive rankings. Uh, that's that's the that's the concern here is if A.J. Brown's not out there, how is this team going to score as many touchdowns as Derrick Henry's used to? But when he's out there, he's going to be a top five, top six, top seven running back. I just don't think that like the ultimate ceiling, we're talking about Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to pull that off as he gets older and as the offense gets a little bit worse. Yeah. I mean,
0: my main concern is the Titans as a whole, you know, it's not necessarily Derrick Henry as the individual 27.4 carries per game. Um, and the Titans were able to do that during his time. And even after, because they finished as the number one seed in the AFC. I mean, there were six and two with him and three separate games. He had three rushing touchdowns. That's literally absurd. Three separate games in the eight that he played. He had three rushing touchdowns. Pretty good. To Chris um, I just think the Titans will be worse. Like the trickle down to Derrick Henry because of that is, is is going to be impacted. I love him as a player, and even if he might be the biggest one that we talk about, he does have that ten yard gain, twenty yard gain, sixty yard gain element. What about because it was a narrative last off season? People worried about his passing game usage. Like if the Titans got worse, we saw it a bit more last year compared to himself. But it's still not the same passing game usage as maybe the four names above him that we've already talked about.
1: Yeah, not even close. So that's just the way that it goes. He's such an explosive rusher. Why would you use him on passing downs? You can't just give somebody six hundred, you know, touches in a season. So they have to pick their spots. there. His backups Dontrell Hilliard who got one million dollars this year, um, and then it's tone-setting fourth rounder Hassan Haskins, who I think is like the actual direct backup to. Uh, Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry misses time, but I think it's one of those situations, kind of like the the Chuba cover, uh or uh, Deonta Foreman conversation where I think Haskins would play on early downs, but Hilliard would be there and it'd be kind of like a one-two. So the upside isn't totally there for Hassan Haskins, but man, he is like, you know how like Vrabel hated Julio for not practicing in yeah. the the trail on Burks a little bit scary now. Hassan Hassan Haskins, is the exact opposite. We're talking about someone that's gonna get in there, grind, outlift Vrabel in the weight room. And I think that's why he's gonna be uh somewhat impactful if Derek kind of misses sometime.
0: Hated hey, Darrington Evans for the uh for the exact same reasons. Hassan Haskins is basically being drafted in every single underdog Draft right out there right now. Like running back 63. And if you want a little strategy, Dantra Hilliard is not. So like if you want natural differentiation between you and everyone else, Hilliard might be an interesting one.
1: I like Benny Snell personally. They've mm. lost weight. Uh he's lost some weight and there is basically no competition. He at least is big enough to handle a full workload.
0: So those are the top five backs. Really, the biggest difference in ADP, which we are almost in line with, is me ranking Najee Harris is running back three because he's going as running back five out there. Okay. We'll have one more in this tier for us. And as our, I believe, running back six, it's Dalvin Cook. I mean, he was the first in a long list this offseason of, hey, we're hearing about our running back taking some slot snaps. Uh, It's a bit, it's a bit different, possibly. We don't have to do
1: this. We, We don't.
0: Okay. Let me, let me rewind and restart this conversation. We don't know exactly what the Vikings offense is going to look like, right? In the past with Clint Kubiak and Gary Kubiak, it's been a lot of outside zone. It's it's zone blocking systems. And I mean, Dalvin, the way he leans and veers is so good and runs so differently than almost anyone else. He even said, it, I could get the ball 30 times. You can give me the ball 30 more times the next game. Like he wants to be a feature in foundation back. So even when he does miss some portions of the season, he comes back and still looks outstanding. We love him and have him as our running back six, and the people do too, because they're drafting at running back six.
1: Yeah, if he stayed healthy, he might be like I'd project him as the RB3 or something like that. I think that's where his ceiling is. There's a little bit of downside risk. His shoulder has been absolutely bumming on him. I didn't think he looked as explosive last year, and I wonder if that's a little bit of the injury stuff, but I could just be reading into that. I think the offense is going to get better because they're going to play with more pace. They're probably going to score more touchdowns than ever, and if a couple of those Kirk Cousins touchdowns go Dalvin Cook's way, we're back to top three type of fantasy ceiling as for the legal stuff it's basically come down it's a he said she said and a lot of those types where there's no video there really is no concrete evidence the nfl usually gets out of the way that case has been delayed so at this point i am I would be pretty surprised if dalvin cook caught a suspension here so i think that he's ready to go this offense looks better the offensive line is not a disaster like it was to start dalvin cook's uh career so really it's just a matter of health and yeah he probably has more injury risks than maybe almost any running back uh in this top 10 maybe Christian McCaffrey a little bit more but outside of that his numbers are going to be right there and that's why if on the other side we're all over Alexander Madison on the backup that will never change until he gets uh uh jumped by Kenny Nwongu or something crazy like that but i think we're going to be i think we're going to be pretty high on Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison on different rosters
0: for sure absolutely love Alexander Madison going as running back 39 124 overall this is a piece of a conversation that we'll have at multiple points in today's show, but it is difficult at times to project clear backup running backs that when the running back insurance gets called upon, you know, they're going to be good and you know, they're going to be out there on all three downs. Um, There aren't many, like you can count them probably on one hand during training camp that we know it's going to happen once the season starts. And we caught it with Alexander Madison last year and, in the handful of starts that he got, he was great. And, we also love Kenny Wango as already like one of the best kick returners in the league. Uh, we introduced PFF to him; might have heard of that. But I don't know how you move away from Alexander Madison, even with a new coaching staff and a new, you know, uh, group making the decisions behind the scenes, because he's good. Like he, he legit has three down uh, work rate, and um, I'm I'm just excited to see how the Vikings look. Like just like you, I think if it's be eleven good. personnel focus if it's. Because just moving away from Mike Zimmer and just the mentality that he had from the top down and bring some new life and some new energy into this, Dalvin seems amped, man. And I want to bring one more thing up. Like, there were three, well, actually four, running backs that had 45-plus carries inside of the 20-yard line last season. Jonathan Taylor, by far and away, had 85. Then you had Austin Eckler at 46, Sony Michelle at 45. We'll get into that in a moment. What? And... Dalvin Cook. Yes. Dalvin Cook at 45. Um, He only had five touchdowns on those. Like compare that to Eckler, who had 12. Compare that to Jonathan Taylor, who had 14. So like those scoring opportunities, hopefully some positive regression, which is just a weird use of words that I always have a difficult time spitting up. Uh, Maybe we get some more positive regression in in his future, too.
1: I like it. Okay. Next. So that's a tier for us.
0: The next up, we get into the, I don't know, one, two turn area. And for you and I our running back seven is, is Joe Mixon. He's going 14th overall on underdog right now. Uh, Last year, he was actually running back four overall, 16.7 points per game. And the more I dug into this, Hey, I got to admit, man, this has been a blind spot for me. Like I'm an absolute idiot too, for it being a blind spot for me. We outlined how this, team and offense should change from Zach Taylor's trust in the passing game from start to finish because of the improved offensive line. But dude, Joe Mixon was already the running back for last year with one of the worst offensive lines, both against the pass and in the running game. And now at least from awful to average, I should be having far more shares of Joe Mixon around that turn, but I tend to go with like wide receiver, tight end, or wide receiver, wide receiver at those spots.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was eighth in better in best ball points per game last year, and he's a second round pick right now. So I think that Joe Mixon is totally fine now. I think that you can make the argument that they're going to pass the ball more, and Joe Mixon has been like he teases us on these third downs, man. Like they'll play him, they'll be in, play him in the two minute warning one week, and then the next week they won't. So I'm guessing at this point he's more or less a two down plus type of back. But if you're talking about like, give me a short list of who can lead the NFL in touchdowns this year, Joe Mixon would have to be on it just because the offensive line's better. This passing game is so damn good. And he's an explosive play guy himself. So I think that Joe Mixon is a second round pick. And I think that he has some upside right there. Totally with you. I just feel like an
0: absolute dummy. Like the more I was looking into this, like obviously the Bengals rushing game is going to be better, but there just might be a few less opportunities. But hey, maybe the efficiency. Uh, you mentioned third downs. Obviously, um, Joe Mixon got banged up a little bit at times, and Zach Taylor wanted to trust Samaj P. Ryan in that role. Uh, we've already seen some hints. Joe Goberry himself from months ago, so I've just been repeating it for months and months, that, hey, maybe Chris Evans is the player that emerges as their running back to, as their running back insurance. This is one of the players who I've, at least on a third of my rosters out there, 34% exposure to Chris Evans. He's going as a running back 64, 211 overall. Who? Who knows outright what happens if Joe Mixon goes down, and maybe they split it up. But at the very least, you could get some, you know, natural value, natural points. Who's a big time athlete and big time receiver with Chris Evans, and if he just looks superior to Smaji Piron, which we already know who he is as a talent. This is probably one of my favorite. I'm not gonna say probably is my favorite running back insurance pick out there again and in some of your underdog drafts he's going undrafted again that's chris evans second year player out
1: of michigan superb athlete we got the road world blurb that chris evans is likely going to be the number two so get him now because his adp is only going to go up the other best argument to me about chris evans is samaj Perine. do you know how much money he's making this year he's a veteran <laughs> 1.8 million less than the best ball mania 3 winner so you cannot draft samaj ap all about chris evans i think rightfully so
0: yeah, and all these employee drafts that we're doing, all of you it's a jerks are now taking him in the 15th round because I keep talking about him on these shows. Again, hopefully, many of you, if you're not drafting with jerks like I am, are able to get him in the 17th round, let's say. And it's only going to get more expensive. You might even see him if he's like the outright running back two in training camp, a 12th, 13th round selection for Chris Henry or, excuse me, Chris Evans. Chris Evans. I was thinking about a former Bengal Chris Evans is like possible in my opinion, because that, uh, that upside is, is interesting. Okay. So we go from Chris Evans and Joe Mixon over to a player. We have a whole clip on, on the channel and that's Saquon Barkley. We have a few players, you know, tied for this running back eight spot, but I wanted to throw out Saquon, like again, banking on the injury prone label to me is on a fluke injury that we saw when he was walking back or running a route and then another time walking back to the huddle. Like this is a greatly improved offensive line. Brian Dayball organizing the offense is going to be so much better than Jason Garrett and and Freddie Kitchens. And to me, we're already getting a discount where Saquon Barkley is going in the early part of round three. And it wouldn't shock me at all if the range of outcomes has Saquon Barkley as a top three or four score at the position this season.
1: Yep, stealing play, offensive line better, offense is better in general. His ADP is climbing a little bit, Josh. Now he's a late second round pick. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like the 15th overall player when the final August drafts come around go watch the video we explained it Saquon Barkley right now is somebody to be targeting the two three turns.
0: yeah even from that video he was going as running back 12 and he's always surpassed he's already surpassed Leonard Fournette and Alvin Kamara to be the running back 10 right now and Matt Breida apparently is his lead backup that's a type that can possibly change as we get into training camp but obviously Matt Breida has a history with Brian Dayball last season with the Bills and Breida in underdog drafts right now is going totally undrafted okay Interesting conversation coming up because the other back that we have tied with Saquon Barkley is uh is Aaron Jones running back nine, 18th overall in ADP at the moment. Um, we're going to hear all offseason, I think, until the season starts about the on-off splits with Aaron Jones versus Devontae Adams and how Aaron Jones was truly the featured player, especially in the passing game when Devontae Adams missed individual games. Well, now we know Devontae Adams is going to miss the entire season with the Green Bay Packers. He's not part of that roster anymore. So do you think that's fair? Do you think we can actually lean into these splits and and take them to the bank with us when drafting Aaron Jones in round 2?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the the wide receiver and the tight end depth chart is not good. Right now, I think they need to add Julio Jones. And even if that does happen, they're going to be in games where they're going to have to rely on Aaron Jones, the pass catcher. Something about this offense, I think, goes a little bit overlooked is, like you said, it's a quick hitting offense. It's also a quick hitting offense that uses screens. And last year, Devontae Adams was their screen guy. Then it was Aaron Jones. Uh, I think that you're going to see a ton of screens from Aaron Jones this year. Uh in fact, the one game that Devontae Adams missed last year, do you want know to happen in that game? Aaron Jones had seven screens, not targets, screens. That was by far a career high. I think if you're if I was doing like a bold prediction show right now, 90 receptions from Aaron Jones would be one of mine, which like be like top 10, top 15 all time. I think that's the kind of range of outcomes. So I think in a full PPR league, he's really high on the list. Um I do think that he's going to miss uh sometime cuz AJ Dillon A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones basically split inside the five carries 50-50 last year. So that's the downside risk is if A.J. Dillon takes on more of the goal line work. But between the 20s this year, I mean, Aaron Jones is going to get peppered with targets. That's what the splits say. And I went back and watched it so much just screens. It's not even just like checkdowns. Like to me, it's just like the screen game is so important and pivotal to this offense. I don't see that changing.
0: Inside the 10, like you said, it was based on targets and and. It was virtually split. Now, AJ Dillon did have 21 rushing attempts inside the 10. Aaron Jones had 15. I think there's just going to be universal changes to this offense. You know, th- they can't run the exact same thing because as the year went along and especially in that loss towards the end of the season, uh, Aaron Rodgers focused on Devontae Adams and like missed a lot of other openings around it. It's going to now force him because unless one random player steps up and is that alpha among that wide receiver group. That would be a shock. Uh, It wouldn't be surprising at all to see so much of the focus being on this Russian game. And we know that Aaron Rodgers, in terms of RPOs, the quick game, the screen game, it's some of his favorite stuff. And then he can absolutely make magic happen. Like some of these aren't true screens, like with offensive linemen leaving. But what Aaron Jones does, as you can see on the YouTube channel right now, is it's like a quick out and then two wide receivers blocking and then a lead blocker basically in front of him too. So what Matt LaFleur does in terms of designing these running back touches out in space specifically for Aaron Jones is really intriguing stuff. You said 90 receptions as a possibility? That's rich. I mean, the last three years, 49, 47, and 52 receptions. So that would be a jump of like 40 receptions in a single season.
1: Yeah, that'd be a bold prediction. He's probably gonna catch 65, but I think that's within the range of outcomes we're talking about, a massive ceiling. I wanna address one thing. Uh, people always say like, hey, there's, they're gonna use two running backs on the field at the same exact time. Last year, in that Week 8 game uh, with uh, Devontae Adams on the sideline, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones played four snaps together. So, like, it's just a myth. Like, I think that there's, they're going to do it sometime this year. Maybe it's five snaps per game, something like that, uh, because Aaron Jones can play out wide a little bit. But to me, A.J. Dillon, he's, he needs this defense to be good. I think it's going to be a top-five defense, and they need to win some games by run, rushing out the clock. Uh, and to me, A.J. Dillon... He, He's really interesting because he is a plotter, man. Like, he doesn't have that much speed. Like, I know he tested really well with, when it comes to speed, but you don't really see that too often. But, man, he trucks people. And his vision, I think, I thought was pretty good. And he can actually catch some passes uh, out of the backfield if something happened to uh, Aaron Jones. So I think A.J. Dillon's a totally fine pick of where he's going uh, as well. And the, I think that his defense is going to be good enough, where A.J. Dillon's going to have a couple weeks where he rushes for 15, 15 times, scores a touchdown, but totally yeah. fine as an RB, two.
0: There were some really cool manufactured stuff and design stuff inside the 10, inside the five for Devonte Adams in the past, especially like screens and, and quick patterns. It's not a wide receiver, but I, I would wonder if AJ Dillon is going to be out there in those inside the 10, inside the five situations, if they do split out Aaron Jones in those moments. But like you said, it's more of a myth than something that actually is coming to fruition. This is the most expensive backfield in the league in terms of fantasy football. Like we just mentioned that Aaron Jones is going as a running back five, or excuse me, running back nine. AJ Dillon is going as the running back 25. Um, if Aaron Jones stays healthy, can AJ Dillon hit that running back 25 price tag?
1: He would probably be a slight loss, but I think I think it's a slight loss with a, a potential big win with AJ Dillon, which I think okay. that's totally fine at his price tag, I'm going to be drafting some AJ Dylan. There's some builds where it's like running back, running back where I feel good about them. And then AJ Dylan's just sitting there. Cause all the running backs are cheap right now. In like round seven, round eight, wherever he goes, I forget exactly. And when that happens, he's my RB three. I'm hoping that he's going to turn into my flex with some spiked weeks there. Um, I think he's, gonna, I think he's probably going to be like a, the RB 29, like uh, every week until Aaron Jones, with the potential
0: the to be like the running back six, you yeah, know, exactly. and at that range of the drafts, you know, risking upside for a slight loss is totally fine at the running back position. Yeah, 72 overall. That's in the range of Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas, Russell Gage at at wide receiver. He's going ahead of a bunch of starters, though, for other teams that we're going to get to. <laughs> we're through. <laughs> we're through what? Seven running backs. And we're going be a long <laughs>
1: We spent 10 minutes of pop on Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor. I hope that you guys now know Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor are actually good.
0: (laughs) That's my fault.
1: No, we're good. My
0: apologies. At least you could do is hit that subscribe button, ladies and gentlemen. Tell one friend about the channel. Okay. Uh, So the last back that we have tied here, who is our, uh, who's being drafted as the running back 12, is Leonard Fournette. What a, what a career for Leonard Fournette. And I don't mean to start this off with a negative tone, Hayden, but I would listen to an argument that Lenny is the least talented running back in our top 12, Uh, but guess what? It doesn't matter. He has Tom Brady who puts the team in a perfect position to succeed on practically every single snap. He has an offensive line, which creates great gaps, great lanes in the running game and also fantastic in pass pro because your quarterback is Tom Brady and he's on a great team that helps too. When you win, you run. Uh, He had 25 carries inside the 10 last last season. Ronald Jones just had nine and he's gone and they don't really have another back unless you believe in Keyshawn Vaughn as the type to take any opportunities away from Uncle Lenny in that area of the field. So again, I think we're slightly above ADP here. He's going 23 overall, but there's a lot to love. All the stars kind of align for another great season from Leonard Fournette.
1: I'm way above ADP. Like I I don't, I, I, this is one of those where I just truly don't understand it except for the bias against Leonard Fournette, who wasn't even that bad last year. Go look at any of those right. efficiency numbers. He was not even that bad. We have less, Goal line competition without Gronk. Cameron Braid, I know got some r- red zone targets, but I went back and watched Cameron Braid. He is a like skinny slot tight end. He's not going to be the same red zone presence uh down there. Uh, Rashad White is more of a third down back compared to to Ronald Jones. So to me, if you're talking about like, hey, surprisingly, we have somebody that scored 18 touchdowns this year, it could be Leonard Fournette. And his numbers were off the charts last year. He's being drafted after where he uh finished last season. And I think you can make an argument that he projects even better this year. So I, I don't understand this one basically at all. I think that he's, he's like my running back seven. I think he's the same exact bet as like Dalvin cook. And he goes much later than that.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he, again, he's going as a running back 12, Dalvin cook is going as a running back six it's 12 spots or 13 spots later. It feels like a cheat code. If you have the one Oh two to grab Cooper cup. And then on the two, three turn, being able to get like Saquon Barkley and Leonard Fournette or Leonard Fournette and another name we're about to talk about. It just feels like you're getting two great backs and it's around later than you would typically have to do that. Like you said, it was, I believe just 10 total touchdowns last season. I think like where the opportunities might drop, it was the 84 targets that he saw but like i'm totally okay with uh he can get touchdowns. more targets
1: this year there's no ab well, if Chris godman has a delay i think that he can catch some more some more passes
0: maybe i'm projecting some bias towards rashad white entering oh, this and already having some trust i mean rashad white is being drafted like there already is trust to be honest with you hayden is the running back 42 any thoughts
1: there i loved rashad white coming out i was Scared to death that the NFL is not going to like it, but we got the Bucks. We got the Bucks to buy in. So I'm relatively in. I do want to, like, I don't think Keyshawn Vaughn's very good, but that is the type of profile where, like, all of a sudden, like, breaks out 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 of nowhere. So I think in a really deep draft, you can get some Keyshawn Vaughn. But I think ultimately, Rashad White's probably going to mix in on th- a couple of third downs and if uh Leonard Fournette misses time it's going to be probably the favorite will be Rashad White we're not sneaking him by and like you know like Rashad White is like valued where he should be but I think that this offense is so damn good that you have to get some exposure to Rashad White but truly I think just think, just, just be overweight on Leonard Fournette man like I think the week one's gonna come and we're gonna do projections and the projections on Leonard Fournette are gonna be insane
0: let me address the 240 pounds or whatever that he said he would. I think this weight fluctuates for everyone. You know, like yeah. for a lot of these backs, especially one that may have had the history like Leonard Fournette had during his time with Jacksonville, uh, it's going to fluctuate. Guess what? He wants to win. Tom Brady's going to want him to win. And he's going to get back into shape when he has to be in that Tampa Bay heat for training camp. And uh, by week one, again, when you just connect the dots, it's all there. And to your point with Rashad White, he's being drafted, let's say, around Ronald Jones and he's being drafted above Naeem Hines at this moment. So like if you just view him as a passing down back, that's a, that's pretty rich, but you and I maybe were his biggest fans going to the league. Okay. We get a little different here on this next name because the public's drafting him as the running back 13. You have him as the running back 11 man planning the flag on Nick Chubb as my running back nine, I'm obsessed, and you made fun of me already on the show. I'm obsessed with who he is as an individual talent, man. He had 41 carries of 10-plus yards last season, second in the league. He led the league in yards after contact per attempt. Again, I outlined it earlier where Najee Harris was breaking a ton of tackles and then only averaged like 2.9 yards after contact. Freaking Nick Chubb was up there at like 4.5 yards. Like, he is so good, so good at creating once the space is already open that he you know creates for himself he had 22 carries inside the 10 and just two and just four total touchdowns from that area nine total scores on the season it's a total projection and you can laugh in my face if you want to hayden but i can see nick chubb based on how this offense could look in week one based on suspensions leading the nfl in carries this season and he was second in 2019
1: I think it's I think it's totally possible. I think that he, I mean, basically his ceiling gets unlocked if something happens to Kareem Hunt. Right now, Kareem Hunt wants more money. He's in the final year of his deal. Uh, the Browns can easily trade Kareem Hunt. They can easily trade to Johnson. That's what I think uh, Jake Trotter. Uh, throughout there. I think one of those two backs will get traded. I don't know which one. Uh, and if that happens, that's going to be positive for Nick Chubb. The only argument against Nick Chubb, and I totally, I think he's probably the best pure rusher in the league. It's him and Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry kind of in their own conversation right now. Uh, offensive line looks good. The defense looks good. Uh, they'll be in some some sloppy games where it's just Nick Chubb time. And I totally agree with that. I think uh, last year he was 17th overall in better in best ball points per game, which would be a slight profit where he's going right now. But that is with him being this total outlier when it comes to efficiency. So either he needs just more work in general, uh, to like sneak into the round one conversation, but maybe this is the year. If they get rid of Kareem hunt and this, they just need some, some more touches to go around. I just, I think he's a fine pick. I'm not like super excited,
0: but we don't even have to talk about the round one conversation. He is firmly being drafted in the round three Mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, like all of the negatives to me are, are mostly baked in. Now agree. If Deshaun Watson, misses the entire year, which is a very possible outcome, then the offense can just suck, you know? But if that's the case, Jacoby Brissett, whoever they might bring in, the offense is then going to me revolve around Nick Chubb. And that's the outcome. So either the offense is going to be good with a better quarterback or he is going to be the offense. Now they might win fewer games, but this offensive line, Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin, Wyatt Teller, Joel Petonio somewhat new player, Nick Harris at center, some depth along that spot. Cause they've had to use it in previous years, like again, and what Kevin Safansky does in terms of manufacturing space and really relying on the running game and play action, wherever he goes, if it is cream hunt that departs, boom, that's great. And we've even seen it in recent years. Again, like 2019, he was second in the league in total
1: carries. And it's like, everyone just forgot.
0: Everyone just forgot.
1: I like him in the, the price the tag is crazy. I like running back 13. Yeah, I think you're crazy for ranking him ahead of Leonard Fournette. I will make that clear, but I will buy both of them in round three, but not by much. Okay,
0: so that's it for everyone tied in that area. I think we basically have them all tied for running back nine. And then Nick Chubb is our running back 10. Since this next grouping where we have three tied, I believe, for running back 12. And we'll kick it off with a second year player in DeAndre Swift. You remember this. We had a bunch of conversations during the season, anecdotally, I thought that a lot of his big plays occurred when the Lions were just completely out of ball games, and teams don't want to be bad and that bad for him to repeat stats like that. So I went back, Hayden, and it was like kind of true. He was fantastic in, in the passing game. But I would love to hear your pitch on DeAndre Swift, who, to be honest with everyone out there. We're slightly below ADP. I have him as run, my running back 12. He has your running back 14, and he's going as a running back 8. Everyone else is all in.
1: Last year, he was 30th in veteran best ball points per game. He's going 16th overall, so we're expecting him to get better. And quite frankly, I think when you roll the the tape here eventually, I, I think he has to get better. Last year, he was had the third highest stuff rate per uh, sports info solutions. And I think the reason why that is, is because he dances at the line of scrimmage. He is a true home run threat. That's why he was 47th out of 50 running backs in yards after contact per attempt. 49th out of 50 running backs in success rate. Meanwhile, Jamal Williams was at 23rd. This offensive line is actually good. So there's no reason why he should be 50th out of 50 in EPA per carry last year. 50th out of 50. Jamal Williams was 14th. He was a bad rusher yep. last year. Now... He has added some more weight, which means that he might be able to break a couple more tackles. He might be able to run between the tackles a little bit more, but he just has to get better. Uh, Obviously, such a young player that we should be expecting him to get better. And I thought that him looking, quote, significantly bigger was a positive. Um, But I'm with you. I think that he has the potential to be a uh, really strong third down uh, passing down back. But I think that we're going to see less of those opportunities because of target competition and because the offense is going to be not in absolute a uh, comeback mode as often, but DeAndre Swift, he has the potential to be that third down or three down uh complete bell cow back. Uh, but I think ultimately I'm gonna be a little bit higher on Jamal Williams. And I just need DeAndre Swift just has to get better, like period. Yeah.
0: I think it's really easy again to look at what DeAndre Swift did last year and being explosive and saying, Oh man, this team is better. So he's just going to be better. But again, I don't think the lions want to be in the same positions that they were last year that gave the moments and the opportunities for Deandre Swift to be so explosive. Like I'll give you a couple of examples. First of the 49ers last year, down 38 to 10 in the third quarter, the third quarter, he had a 43 yard touchdown. He only had to make one person miss because there was just a busted coverage. Okay. Against the Bengals with three minutes to go in the game, They were down 34 to three, and he had a 16 yard touchdown against the Browns, down 13 0 in the third quarter with two minutes left. It was a 57 yard touchdown. Then he had like a crazy big play against the Rams for a 63 yarder. He forced more missed tackles as a receiver last year and 20 than he did as a rusher, despite 151 carries of 17. And seven of those forced missed tackles were against the Pittsburgh Steelers in a single game. Like he just, I'm with you as a rusher, as a runner. He is great at following his lead blocks. He's great at getting to the edge or or hitting that cutback. It's basically like three verticals with a lot of these passing game routes with like a delayed drag in the backside that, again, turns short passes into screens. And it worked incredibly well against blitzing defenses. But from like a, hey, we're a good football team, unless he improves in the clear areas as a runner with his vision and just comfort to take the easy stuff, the simple stuff, instead of just looking for home runs, I'm, I I get a bit nervous. I think he's a great talent. I'm just not quite on the same level as all the drafters right now on underdog and these other platforms.
1: Yeah. He's got the athleticism. He can catch passes. I can, and the offensive line looks like legitimately good to me. And I think that I'm buying the lions just hype in general. So I don't want to be like too low on Deandre Swift, but he's, he's, he's one of the hardest ranks to me because I I get the upside case. Um, I just, I do think he just has to get a little bit better, but that's what year three breakouts are. You know, like they just get a little bit, a little bit better. I think we'll learn a little bit more during hard knocks. And speaking of hard knocks, get some Jamal Williams now before he becomes the absolute superstar of hard knocks. Uh, Jamal Williams, just to go through this. um, He was disappointing when Deandre Swift got banged up with that shoulder injury. Jamal Williams was out there and he was not performing, but we have to remember he missed time leading into those games with a thigh injury. He was on the injury report with a thigh injury. Then he got COVID. He was coming back through through both of those things and he just didn't look right. I don't think that we should basically take those on off splits from last year and apply them to what could happen this year. I think that Jamal Williams has like 15 uh, touches per game and in any game that Deandre Swift misses. And I think that's why he's a pretty big value late in the draft.
0: Okay. Also tied for us in this area with this player is James Connor and Hayden. I'm going to continue to say it. If you missed out on Hayden's advice this time last summer to draft James Connor, you missed on one of the best producers of touchdowns in the league. What one about Lake February period.
1: this year? February. He was, a, he was 90th overall in February. Remember that it's crazy. right?
0: And even last year when he was splitting workload for so often, he was a touchdown monster, but guess what? Now that chase Edmonds is in Miami, You had a, I believe, six game sample of when James Conner was the team's full time leading rusher. And if we look at his outcomes, it was basically like running back one, running back seven, running back 17, running back 12, running back two, running back one. I mean, it wasn't just the rushing game in terms of scoring touchdowns. It was also in the passing game. That's why they brought him back. That's why he was a priority because now it's all on his plate from the start of the season. And he doesn't really have to rely on, in my opinion, maybe you have a different view of someone taking up the opportunities inside the twenties and then boom, it's time for him in the money area.
1: Another one of these where I just don't understand why we're hating on James Connors. ADP keeps dropping, which I don't understand. First of all, he's playing with the Falcons in week 17 in a dome environment. Gotta love that for the week 17 bros. But in those from weeks nine through 14, when uh, Chase Edmonds missed. He averaged 22 touches. He had all the inside the five yard line touches. He had 89% of the passing situation targets. He averaged 23.4 half PPR points per game and 18.4 expected half PPR points per game. Those are top five numbers each way. I don't think that Darrell Williams is uh, is very good. I, I have some of these stats in, in there um, about how Daryl Williams was one of the worst uh, rushers in the league last year. And James Conner, uh, everyone gives him all, all this crap, but James Connor, uh, was the best or the best pass blocking graded back, uh, per PFF. And he was number three in receiving grade. And then he was top thir- 13 in yards per route run. So to me, he does everything at a decent level. Um, I think we can have some concerns about the Cardinals offense just being a little bit, a house of cards, but the touchdowns are going to be, be there. And even if the touchdowns regress a little bit, he can afford it. Cause he was, a t- he was a top 12 overall player, uh, and in the second half of the season, he's being drafted in the third, fourth round right now.
0: Yeah. I don't even think that Darrell Williams is going to occupy the same role that Chase Edmonds got last No year. way. He's not as no. good. Because Chase Edmonds wasn't like the quote unquote passing down back. Like it really was between the twenties and he played first, second and third down in those situations. I don't think they're going to view Darrell Williams as a first, second, third down runner. Like last year, they got really cheap James Conner and they got really cheap Chase Edmonds. It's no longer cheap to have, Ch- to have James Conner on the roster. And then, now you're going to play him in there. And as you said, and as the chat saying, he was hyper efficient, not just in his touches inside the 10 last year, but also in the receiving game, 37 of 39 targets. He caught wild. He's an every down player right now. And that's why you and I have him as our 13th overall back and the market, the public are drafting him as running back 15. Get on board, get on board. I don't get it. So dare Williams is now after Patrick Mahomes signed off on it is being drafted as the running back 49. He also was one of those running back insurance types towards the end of last season that helped people advance and win some money. Uh, I don't have anything of running back 49 at the moment with, with Darrell Williams. I prefer other running back insurance types in that area.
1: I think he would battle Keontae Ingram and Nino Benjamin if James Conner miss, missed time. Um, I think it'd be basically a toss-up between all of them. Daryl Williams signed late in the year and probably since, but here, here's a hint. If I'm spending an hour trying to find Daryl Williams' contract numbers and they're not on the internet, do you think that's because he got highly paid or not highly paid? You know, like I don't, I don't think it's a lock that Daryl Williams even makes the roster. Last year, 59th out of 61 running backs in yards after carry or yards after contact per carry, 58th in PFF's elusiveness out of 61 running backs. Like he's just not that good. So uh, I, I think that's a pretty aggressive price tag. I think it would be basically a toss up with who would be. Uh the backup if James Conner misses time.
0: Yeah. And again, again, only five backs played 60% or more of their team snaps last season one over 70% in the six games that Chase Edmonds missed last year. James Conner had 61% 77% 82 82 91 and 96% of the team snaps. It's his backfield end of story unless something happens Atlanta Falcons week 17 Atlanta Falcons. Let's do it. Okay. Another back we have in this exact same tier is Javante Williams. Um, Man, he's fun. Man, he's electric. I'm about to pull up some of these highlights. But it's not unleashed. It grinded our gears a little bit. If I can start off this conversation a little bit in this way. Where it was free Javante, free Javante. Because Melvin Gordon legitimately was good last year. And that's why it was a 1A versus 1B scenario versus a one and a two and now that melvin gordon is back i mean they both had exactly 203 carries last year javante barely led in targets by about 12 or 13 snap rate was 51 percent versus 48 percent. the issue in all of this is melvin gordon is still good now my question to you hayden is is javante in year two just going to be so much better that he is undeniable and even if melvin is still talented Javante can emerge as a top five, top 10 back in the league and force, force the Broncos hands as new play callers to say, Hey, you're our guy. We're riding with you 65% of the time. I think that's in the range of outcomes here.
1: I, I think I started this conversation talking about upsides. All I all I really care about in fantasy football, especially in these best ball tournaments, and I think Javante Williams has elite upside because the offense is going to be so good. We put them into a tier in our offensive rankings. Javante Williams, uh, he struggled early on, and he was like really struggling on these outside zone runs. And Melvin Gordon was just hitting them time and time again. But I think that's the exact type of thing that. Uh, these players just get better at. And I think that Javante Williams will probably have like a 60, 40 split, maybe 65, 35, if we're lucky um, to start the season, if something happens to Melvin Gordon, uh, Javante Williams would be an absolute superstar. And there's just a chance that Melvin Gordon's just not as good as he was last year, or the better chance that Javante Williams, who was a valedictorian in his high school, who's smarter than you, more handsome than you, uh, could lift m- more weights than you, that he just gets better in a second season. And to me, his pass protection, there's a couple of clips I include in here. His pass protection was pretty damn good for a rookie as well. So uh, I'm a big fan of Javante Williams. I think you have to get some exposure on him.
0: Oh, and I was a big fan coming into the league. I had him as the number one back in that class. And there are times he just plays differently too. Like you see so many backs when they drift along the sideline that they'll just take it out and not want to embrace the carnage. Uh, instead, Javante Williams turns 45 yards in field and takes on two to three rushers and picks up an extra three yards. He is the King right now of hidden yards. Like he falls forward, no matter what he is going to pick up yards, no matter what, uh, That play against the Ravens, where he makes someone miss in the backfield, makes oncoming safety miss at the second level, then drags three Ravens defenders for another seven yards downfield. No one's doing that in the league. I'm all for the free Javante movement. But again, Melvin hung around last year. Melvin hangs around this year. And we've already outlined this, Hayden, as running back 33, where Melvin Gordon is going right now in underdog fantasy. That's an absolutely palatable price to pay for that style of a back that if something among other running back insurance happens, we know if Javante goes down, Melvin Gordon is the clear lead back on this team.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I think this is a situation where you like both running backs at cost because they both have three down profiles that are attached to good offenses. We've seen it before in flashes for both of them. So uh, Melvin Gordon, to me, like if it's like it would require an injury, but like if somebody could have a James Connor type of season, a Leonard Fournette type of season. I think that Melvin Gordon kind of fits as somebody that's able to handle a three down workload on a good offense. It would require an injury in in ways that those other two backs I just mentioned didn't, but Melvin Gordon, I know was later on into uh, the offseason. He at least cleared two million dollars. He's making two point five million dollars. So he he's he's a target. I think both basically just draft both of them on different teams but draft both of them
0: and your perspective at the start of this where it's not like Javante is going at the round one, two turn, like really his impact and sharing the backfield is already factored in here. And I think at worst, like if he plays all 17 games, he might finish as like the running back 19 or something like that. Like you might again, take a small loss, but then if he really does emerge as an elite talent, as a difference maker on a really good offense and a team that wins games, a top 10 top seven season is absolutely within the range of outcomes. And that's what you're aiming for, especially in this area of the draft where he's going as a running back 14 and you have him ranked as the running back 12.
1: He's what we wanted Antonio Gibson to be like those conversations last year. Like he's actually got, got the bull case of it.
0: We'll get into Antonio Gibson in a moment. Okay. With all these players that we are apparently higher on than ADP, there has to be someone who's dropping. And the name that we have dropping is Alvin Kamara. He's being drafted right now as a running back 10. You and I have him as the running back 15. And it's not because of talent or the offense. Like the Saints right now, they were run oriented in the first four starts last year of Jameis Winston. Uh, They have still gone back and invest in the offensive line with Trevor Penning after, you know, losing their longtime left tackle and Teron Armstead. At the core, Alvin Kamara not only is a playmaker in the running game, obviously in the passing game, especially in those option routes, He's insane. But I think you and I are trying to, or at least right now, are a bit ahead of the curve in what could be some missed for Alvin Kamara at the start of the season.
1: There's a chance he gets suspended. I, I don't know what the exact odds are. Um, and it could just get delayed and we can just be proved wrong here. But I think that also Alvin Kamara is getting a little bit older um, and there's no Teron Armstead. The offensive line might not be as good as it was. I don't think that, or with Michael Thomas coming back, with Chris Olave there and Jarvis Landry, they might not need to give him like the 20, 25 touches every single game. Like they had to do when he was literally the only good uh, skill guy out there. So um, I'm okay with this. Like he, he definitely still has top five running back in his range of outcomes. And that makes me a little bit nervous here, but that's also why uh, you and I like the running backs uh, in the rounds two and three. Again, I think that you can make a case for Alvin Kamara. I, I do think we'll get some legal clarity, like, middle of august with alvin kamara but it doesn't it makes me a little bit nervous that david johnson some other backs keep trying out uh on this team maybe that's a sign that they think that ak is going to get suspended
0: i think that that's a tier for us right there and that's basically everyone who's being drafted in the top three rounds as you know i keep ending up in these employee drafts with like the 110 111 that's why james connor is on a ton of my teams and he's the latest that we just talked about going at 33 overall. And yeah, Javante Williams, at 27 overall, Nick Chubb at, at 26. So kind of James Conner's in that no man's land, uh, there on his own. Okay. So I think the rest of this conversation from here on out, we just talked about the feature backs, the foundation backs, however you want to discuss them. It's kind of pairings, right? It, it's, not clusters, but but team rushing offenses, and maybe not for some of the teams that we're going to talk about here at the top. But they're not being drafted like these elite names that we just discussed. Uh, And really, the next one, not in terms of our rankings, because I have him as running back eighteen. You have him as running back sixteen. Yeah, he's being drafted in that same area, but that's Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, this was another somewhat frustrating conversation to have last year because. Early season, Zeke was just getting crushed no matter what he did because we all, and it makes sense, are just in love with what Tony Pollard puts out there on the field. But Hayden, is that vitriol? Is that hatred already being factored into where Ezekiel Elliott is going right now again as the running back 16 and underdog right now?
1: He's being drafted 39th overall last year in and best ball points per game. He finished 47th overall. To me, this is simple. Really? And like, I don't think that we're going to convince a single person. Everyone's on the, the Zeke stand. It's like left and right wing politics. You're not going to be convincing too many people here. But the upside case with Zeke is simple. Through the first four weeks of the NFL season, that includes a very difficult Bucks game where he did not play very well because the offensive line got obliterated. He was fifth in explosive play rate. He was seventh in yards a, uh, after contact per carry. He was fourth in rushing yards per game. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry. He was 10th in PFF rush grade. After week four, which is when he suffered that PCL injury that he played through, he was then 41st in PFF grade, 54th in yards after contact per carry, 3.8 yards uh, per carry in general, and 45th in explosive play rate. So basically, it's just, is Zeke healthy? If so, he can be a profit. If not, Tony Pollard will play more. This is basically the make it or break it year for Tony Pollard in the last year with the Cowboys. And I think that you can make an upside case for both backs. And I think there's some downside risk for both backs as well. When Tony Pollard is out there with Zeke Elliott, he's not a fantasy asset. Like people like try to make Tony Pollard like he's a flex play. He really is never a flex play. Like maybe once a season he is. Uh, so there's some downside risk, but obviously this offense I think is going to be very running back heavy because their wide receivers are, are uh, pretty bad compared to the last couple of years. So I think that you can make yep. a Zeke up, upside case basically just saying his PCL is healthy and he just bounces back.
0: Yeah. Pre-PCL and post-PCL were very different types of Ezekiel Elliott and they do different things. Like people ask, I see it. Well, what does Ezekiel Elliott do? Well, he's damn good in pass pro and he picks up the difficult yards that you want him to. And as you said, his explosive runs were actually there prior to his injury. Um, it, It can be difficult to separate those two. With that said, I'm drafting a ton of Tony Pollard at running back 28, because if we are aiming for the ceiling, I don't know if any running back in that range of where he's going Have the gigantic top end outcome that Tony Pollard does if whatever happens to Ezekiel Elliott and he misses an entire season or half of a season or you know, weeks 12 to 17, which really matter, and best ball on underdog fantasy. And I think not just the talent and the upside, but it's also like the other players that are being drafted in the same range as Tony Pollard and at every position, like at wide receiver. It's Christian Kirk and Alan Lazard and Sky Moore. Like once I get to that range, TJ Hawkinson, I don't care about those. And I can just make the case the ludicrous outcome of what Tony Pollard might bring to my team in the most meaningful end of season uh stanzas of this year.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be in on Tony Pollard. Uh for sure. I think it's pretty obvious for for Tony Pollard's upside case. Just real quick on Zeke Elliott. Ah, uh, his contract situation. Even next year, if the Cowboys want to get rid of him, they would be eating twelve million dollars in dead money. You know, like this could be. I think this could be Zeke's last year if he is bad. Uh but even next year, he would still be. He's, he's somewhat committed to the Cowboys roster even next season, which is, uh pretty nuts here. So I think I think he's gonna bounce back into some capacity because he's not gonna be as banged up. Um, so he might be a a, a slight win. Uh, for Zeke Elliott. But you can also paint the picture where he's just not not the same. We have fat Zeke again, and Tony Pollard just looks better and just takes his job.
0: Okay, I'm going to try to be quicker on these. Next up is the Bears running backs. Uh, David Montgomery is our running back 17. He's being drafted at running back 20. We are not in on the Bears offense. Uh, I am not going to enjoy most likely watching them on a week-to-week basis. Um, in fact, despite him being our running back 17, Hayden, I think that's all based on usage, opportunity,
1: all of it. Yeah, only Jonathan Taylor had more expected half PPR points per game than David Montgomery over the last 10 games last year. 17.3 carries, 4.7 targets per game. It's a it's just a bet on usage and I think it's totally fine.
0: Now, with that said, and how much he and how highly he ranks for us, the one I'm leaving so many drafts with is Khalil Herbert at running back 52. We outlined it in an earlier part of this conversation where true running back insurance types that, you know, that are going to take every down work. If the starter goes down, there aren't many across the league. And we've already talked about some and AJ Dillon, where he's going and Tony Pollard, where he's going Alexander Madison, where, where they're going. I mean, at least running back 39 or much higher running back twenties, even you can still get Khalil Herbert. As running back 51 out there. And I understand those offenses might not be as good as the other three that we discussed, but this is a guy that when David Montgomery went down, he averaged 20 carries per game, 86 yards, two receptions and 11 yards. Like in this area, running back 15, if David Montgomery misses week 15, week 16, week 17, you have a top 15, a top 12 running back on your hands for the best ball playoffs that you were able to get at running back 52. It makes no sense to me why he isn't at least being drafted around like the, the Rashad whites or, or the running back 42s of this area. We need this to climb 10 spots just
1: at his position. I think it's just the team. Like, yeah, just Rashad whites, at least with the Bucks. But I I hear you. I think that he's one of those backs where like, instead of Kenny, Kenny Gainwell, who I don't think has a three down, uh, profile, I would rather have Khalil Herbert in this range. I'm still getting some Khalil Herbert. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I
0: think that running back isn't a running back, right? Like if something happens and we're going to get to to Miles Sanders, that doesn't mean Kenny Gainwell is going to uh, go and assume 20 plus touches. Now, does he have a little bit more standalone value in a week-to-week basis for sure? But do I think Khalil Herbert is definitely good at the game 100%. And if the starter goes down for a long period of time, boom, you do have 20 touches, 17 touches. Per game. And that's difficult to find. Okay. Now, and we continue this just going through our rankings. Next up, we have Travis Etienne as the running back 17. He's being drafted as a running back 17. I my only pitch here, and it's a tough one. This is kind of like a no man's land territory for running backs, Hayden. Could Travis Etienne be 2021 DeAndre Swift, who was fourth in targets last season with 76 at the position?
1: Yeah, I think it's the perfect example. Uh, Travis Etienne, like DeAndre Swift, was not the perfect inside the uh, tackles rusher, but it's not going to really matter if they're trailing and Travis Etienne's by far the number one back, which I'm expecting. James Robinson torn it towards Achilles on December 26th. Like we just, I I think that James Robinson should not get drafted on Underdog Fantasy. I think it's it's that bad of a situation. I mean, towards Achilles on December 26th. Our buddy John Shipley, though, just wrote the other day, Robinson
0: wasn't cleared for practice this this spring, but he has begun running, and the former 1,000 yard rusher said he expects to be back at some time during training camp. Now, of course, he's going to be optimistic and say things like that, but where he's being drafted right now is running back 52. Like if he does come back, that's going to jolt all the way up because there are other mentions that John has written about that they view him as a three down player, you know, and more in Travis Etienne as the explosive alternative.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'll bet against torn Achilles nine months within I just think that's a safer bet D- just throwing the other name out there Snoop Connor. if we have a James Robinson setback Snoop Connor has one of those profiles where he can play all three down so but I think going back to the Travis ETN discussion explosive player we're both on uh Trevor Lawrence uh, as a bounce back uh candidate the offensive line looks a little bit better the coaching staff's light years better so I think that Travis ETN like you said he is this year's uh DeAndre Swift
0: yeah and they clearly want to be more explosive because they weren't explosive at all last season and i'm sure when doug peterson sat down and looked at the roster for the first time he's like dude there was no juice out there there was no speed and travis Etienne certainly brings that okay so we go from that player to cam akers who is being drafted as a running back 18 we have him in the same range uh k makers rams daryl henderson is also being drafted as a running back 45. when he came back from his own injury towards the end of last season Cam Akers 19, 27, 14, and 17 combined carries and targets through that Super Bowl run. So again, as soon as he was back and even ready to practice, we were shocked that he immediately was thrown into the fire in terms of playing in the games. It's pretty clear months and months now further removed from that. Hopefully he looks better, but the trust is there 100%.
1: Jordan Rodriguez said that he's a hundred percent, or at least that's what Cam Akers is saying. And then she also wrote that uh, they expect Cam Akers to be worked into the passing game, quote, at an even higher volume than he was previously. And that's kind of the thing we need with with Cam Akers. It's it's anyone's guess at what version of Cam Akers we get. But this Rams offense clearly has supported elite running backs. Before, So I think that he is a gamble. Um, I think that it makes sense. Why his ADP dropped a little bit? Um, But to me, if there's like a, a guy that's a league winner at the round four or five term, I think that Cam Akers certainly could be one of those options.
0: One of the, again, most shocking stats that I uncovered doing research for this was that Sony Michelle was fourth among all running backs last year in rushing attempts inside the 20 yard line at 45. Sony Michelle is not even on this roster. Um, Cam Akers has to be the unquestioned lead back on this team. I know Daryl Henderson had spurts last year, but they've basically tried to replace him twice with Cam Akers and Sony Michelle because he just gets banged up towards the end of, of last season. This is truly the running back dead zone, but I could 100%, and maybe this is the famous last words of we all say with running back dead zone players, but like if Cam Akers is just healthier based on time and healing and the human body, dude, you're getting... A AS tier offense and the lead back on that team for someone with 300 touches is absolutely in the realm of possibility.
1: The good news for the people of the underdog football show is the Rams training camp is at UCI. I live at UCI. I will be hands or feet on the ground. I will be watching all the cam maker stuff and training camp this year. More importantly, I'm just going to listen to Jordan Rodriguez. If she says that cam makers is good, I'll be on him. If she has some doubts, we'll be fading. It's as simple as that.
0: And I remember talking with you when they shifted over to Sony Michelle, That they, they shifted to like a heavy personnel front and it was more of a run-based approach that was more traditional. Uh, and so it's cool to see Sean McVay tweak things based on what's working and what's not establishing the aggression from the start. That's really what happened with Sony Michelle. And uh, I mean, shoot, if Cam Akers is fourth, in the NFL this year and carries inside the twenty. Like again, no team throws more inside the 10 and inside the five, but let's get some that, explosive maybe, plays out. Maybe
1: there. that's because Sony Michelle was bad. You know, yeah. maybe that maybe it's just if Cam Akers is, is better, they won't pass as much inside the five.
0: Yeah, possible. Okay. So the Rams backfield, then we shift on over to the jets backfield because Brees Hall is next up in our rankings as our running back 20. He's being drafted by all of you as a running back 19. His running mate, Michael Carter, despite, you know, forcing 39 missed tackles on just 147 carries last year, that's the same as Aaron Jones had, Damian Harris and Antonio Gibson on far fewer opportunities. He's all the way down at running back 46. Again, that's despite Michael Carter's size. He's outstanding between the tackles, but it's really clear why they brought Brees Hall into the ballgame. And it's because they don't want to just lean on those 12, 13, 14 play drives and big play Brees. We loved him coming out of Iowa State, and that's who's going to bring this team are possibilities of 20, 30, 40-plus-yard gains.
1: The coaching staff is telling the reporters that they like Michael Carter. They view him as like a legitimate asset, but they've always viewed him as a compliment. So I think that Brees Hall is going to see most of the workload, but Michael Carter is definitely good enough to kind of mix in there just last year the Jets were 16th in expected fantasy points per game to their running back position. This offense, just the way that they're orchestrated, as uh, a little bit slower pace. They were 22nd in pace within six points last game. I think you can make an argument that this offensive line is pretty damn good, but really this is just what is your evaluation of Zach Wilson? Like how many touchdowns is Brees Hall going to score? That's the debate about Zach Wilson. Uh, people know where I stand on that debate, so I'm a little bit – uh, I'm, I think as I'm fine with Brees Hall, this kind of goes back to this conversation where, like, typically, like, Brees Hall is like a, a, a dead zone running back. Like, you don't really get a potential bell cow in this range. So, I don't think that you can be completely fading him. But I think this could be a situation similar to like Javante Williams last year, where the offense was very inconsistent. You can tell that Brees Hall has some skills, but Michael Carter's kind of like Melvin Gordon that he can kind of play. He's too good. and He can kind of play wherever uh, that you can't completely eliminate him.
0: Yeah. As you can see in these clips that we're showing on YouTube, get him in the open field one-on-one and there's a chance for dynamite. He does a really nice job setting up those downfield defenders, like getting and looking beyond the second and third man, and then just weaving and veering and setting up those angles. And then his top and speed is, is absolutely ridiculous. Quick nugget. Last week I went on badlands, which is a really good jets podcast. Um, they threw an interesting opinion at me that I haven't heard out there, and I'm going to run it by you. Uh, last year, the Jets, probably because of their win-loss, success, and failure, were last in the league in terms of overall carries at 380, okay? Our buddy Joe Caparoso says they want to be top five this season. The top five last year had a 499 carries, and that was the San Francisco 49ers. Hmm, Maybe some overlap there in history of, of play callers. Do you think that's feasible at all? Because that would be no. a massive boost for Brees Hall. No,
1: they 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 should aim for top ten. I'll give them top ten. Top five is a little aggressive. I mean, you have to be winning games. The freaking Jets we're talking about. Like, I'll see even, when I believe it. I'll, I, he, I, I get I get it. But like, this is <laughs> has it has a single coach in NFL history has have they ever said we were looking to be top, bottom ten in rush attempts this year? They're Tom all Brady. trying to. They're all, they're, they're all trying to be top five rush attempts. It's ridiculous. Right.
0: Yeah. Every team would want to be top five. Cause that means they're up, you know, 27, nothing in the first quarter. <laughs> of course. That's just, just something I wanted to throw out there. Um, no, I
1: hear you though. It does make sense
0: because even, and to be honest with you, like, that's why we got the Patriots rushing success right last year, because while they were winning a handful of ball games and a good amount, they were, you know, what about eighth last year in in rush attempts. So like trying to identify the offense is an important component of all of this. Okay. So there's the jets running back. And I think you, you know, packaged it really well that like the upside outcome here and getting this in the dead zone with Brees Hall is, is intriguing and might not be able to get it in most other years. So people are asking for names that we have not spoken about. We've got one more before where we get back to ADP and everyone's fading Elijah Mitchell at, at running back 24 you and I, and I was shocked by this, haven't been running back 21. Um, is this just as simple as you and I stating that, like, hey, man, we think that he did enough and showed enough last year that the apple of Kyle Shanahan's eye changes every single year? Uh, so I think people are just allowing this great rookie to then drop down during his second season um, because if the belief was there, man and they came out and said, oh, this is our feature back, this is our workhorse, I mean, Eli Mitchell would be a top 15 back probably in these drafts.
1: He was uh, 15th overall post-by-rookie bump when it comes to uh, half PPR points per game and 15th in usage. I think that's where he should be closer. Uh, I think I have, what, ranked RB20 somewhere around there. Uh, I think people are just scared of Kyle Shanahan. It, it's, it's as simple as that, but I think that here's the difference between Elijah Mitchell, and the other Shanahan running backs that got cucked year after year. Number one, Elijah Mitchell, he is fast as hell. Have you watched Trey Sermon and uh, Ty Davis Price and Jeff Wilson coming off these injuries? They're not fast. So we're already having the element that Kyle Shanahan wants on these outside zone runs is the speed element. Those other backs are competing for the... The, the three yards in a cloud of dust carries, which we don't even care about Elijah Mitchell. I think that eventually can work into the passing game. They, they were using uh, Kyle use check as their third down back. I'm leaving the light on for Elijah Mitchell doing that. And really all he has to do is just do a, a, a light version of last year to pay off this, this ADP. And there's a chance that Trey Lance um, just makes his run game really pop. Like we were looking at the on off splits with like Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick, like all these classic running backs RG3. do way better uh, when they have um, a dual-threat quarterback. So I think that Elijah Mitchell, first of all, is very good at the game, but he also, like the Kyle Shanahan like, sketchiness of this, really, I think, could be eliminated just by... Elijah Mitchell does something that the other running backs on the team don't do. the Athletic just said he's a shoe in to be the starter. Like, what, what am I missing?
0: You packaged it really well. With that said, one of the backs that I have uh, at least 34% exposure to is Ty Davis Price at oh, running back God. 50. Now... Galaxy brain thought here, Hayden, this is running back 50. This isn't a big investment, you know, that's one sixty-one overall. That's the territories where like it, you don't have to, you don't have to succeed or have victory with, with all of those selections, right? What if, and no one said this, I don't think, what if Ty Davis price is the new Alfred Morris? Okay. Not fast, just a strider in between the tackles will hit the holes that are schemed up and blocked up and created because of a rushing quarterback. Gone through some back channels of some people who closely follow and cover the 49ers. They think there might be some elements that we have not seen yet from Trey Lance and an RG3 style zone read rushing schemes. And um, if you said that Elijah Mitchell is... The edge outside home run threat runner, maybe he isn't trusted as the between the tackles zone read style pickup and maybe break some tackles and trash. And maybe Ty Davis Price
1: is that guy. Thoughts? Maybe Trey Sermon's that guy. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll follow the the training camp. This like a classic training camp. Where's where's the pecking order on the depth chart? Well, not last year. That screwed us last year with all this. (laughs) Trey
0: Sermon. (laughs)
1: If I'm not drafting Trey Sermon this year, and he turns into Alfred Morris, like you're, like what you we're outlying potentially, somebody can do that. I will, I will have to retire.
0: Again, if it happens, mark it down. Just asking questions. Is Ty Davis Price, Cal Shanahan's new Alfred Morris, and you can get him as running back fifty right now in underdog fantasy, just like me, and have thirty four percent exposure to him in uh, in all these drafts.
1: I'd rather have 34% Eli Mitchell. I'll leave it at that.
0: Okay. Uh, the back that we have much lower than ADP as of right now, and these things are obviously very fluid. You're drafting him as running back 21. You have him all the way down as running back 25. Uh Oh, that's JK Dobbins. JK Dobbins. Give us your take.
1: Well I think this is primarily a bet on I mean against his health I guess you can say it this is an ACL plus injury and I think that we have to separate like uh contained ACLs that's what Dr. Winks has been reading about contained ACLs versus multi ligament ACL injuries that's what uh JK Dobbins is coming through there's a chance that he uh, opens the season on the pup list, which is four games missed. That's what Dr. Chow thinks is possibly that he has not practiced in mini camp. So I think that we need to see J.K. Dobbins get some practice reps in. I understand that the Ravens have no, there's really no rush to bring him back uh, for a mini camp, but it's been a year basically and J.K. Dobbins hasn't practiced yet. So that's kind of on uh, my radar. The other thing just with the Ravens, I think that we overrate the Ravens running backs. Uh, in general, because we see like oh they're always like they're top five in rush attempts and stuff, but the problem with that with Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson's not throwing the ball to his running backs, and Lamar Jackson rushes a lot himself, especially near the goal lines. So like last year, the Ravens running backs I know it was like very clearly they were very bad running backs, but they were 29th in fantasy usage as a as a unit. And if you look back the like the even before, um, I remember when we were talking about J.K. Dobbins going into last year the Ravens really are like bottom 10 when it comes to running back usage, just because they don't get the goal line opportunities. They don't get the passing game opportunities that the other teams do. So I think that we overrate the running backs in Baltimore in general. And I think that both Gus Edwards and JK Dobbins have some injury risk that hasn't been priced in yet. It
0: sounds like JK Dobbins is going to enter training camp on the pup list. It's like that gray area when he's going to come off of it. And a lot of situations, as you know, former blurbers, We don't know until like the day of, if someone's going to practice, like the coaches don't want to reveal that or put expectations on it. I do think that that staff is a bit more honest than, than everyone else, but it, it can absolutely happen. And it's not like we can just pivot on over to Gus Edwards at running back 53, because he's also coming off a significant injury. So, and then they even brought in Mike Davis as like probably the last resort option. You know, if, if both those guys are injured throughout training camp. So, yeah. Okay. So there's the Ravens backfield, as we just discussed. Now it's time to go to another blind spot for me. He's still going as a running back 22, and that's Josh Jacobs. Uh, I have him all the way down at running back 25. There are so many cooks in the kitchen for the Las Vegas Raiders backfield at the moment. Uh, Josh Jacobs has already come out publicly, I believe, and said like, oh, man, I don't want every work from me. Who says that? So this team just brought in Brandon Bolden, who we saw. Supplant both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson in certain situations, especially passing situations near the goal line last year for the New England Patriots. He knows the system, quote unquote. Also, still have Kenyon Drake on the roster. And you bring in Zamir White, too. And Zamir White's going as running back 61. I don't mean to jump to the end of this conversation, but in the 18th round, 17th round, I know I have Josh Jacobs ranked, ranked way ahead of Zamir White. But Zamir White, I have around on 25% of my drafts right now because if I need that fifth or sixth running back, depending on my builds, Zamir White is staring at me right in the face. And he truly might be one of those post by rookie bump characters in week 13 through 17 at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I didn't like that. Josh Jacobs said, please take more work from me. You know, like he was already losing some some work to Kenyon Drake. Uh he was 17th in better in best ball points per game last year. He's going 63rd. Overall, so I think that there's some downside risk with Josh Jacobs. The other guys around him are just way sexier. So, like, I'm going to be going for those guys.
0: And the difference, I think a lot of people might just take what the Patriots did last year under Josh McDaniels and just force it on to the Raiders this year because we think so in short time frames like that. We've seen Josh McDaniels wildly change his offense year to year. I mean, even the last two seasons were drastically different. The Tom Brady era in New England, week to week, it's like that. And the Raiders can't run what the Patriots did last year because their offensive line probably stinks. You know, it's not nearly as good as the Patriots run in run blocking last season. So you can't just emphatically put Damian Harris's workload last season into Josh Jacobs this year. It, that doesn't equate to me. So yeah. I would stop doing that. Okay. Yeah, I have 21% Samir White. I just checked.
1: I wish you the best. I like Zemir White. I was a fan of Zemir White coming out of school. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, like you said, so we'll see. Okay. Next up, we have the commander's
0: backfield because we have Antonio Gibson as running back 23. There's also two others in this backfield. Jaden McKissick as running back 55 and uh, Brian Robinson as running back 58. I want to uh, pull this up on the screen because our buddy Denny Carter just pointed this out from the great big Ben Standig. Uh, over on the athletic, I will zoom in here. Um, someone asked him, I'm assuming this was a mailbag question about talking about cooks in the kitchen with Gibson and McKissick and now Brian Robinson. Uh, quote, well, I think for the most part it's going to be by committee. This is from Standig. I mean, in this league today, sorry, this is from Coach Ron Rivera, you know, you just can't have one primary back. And from Standig's mouth, that's a foreboding comment for those eyeing Antonio Gibson's touches with the hammer back, Brian Robinson around yada, yada, yada. You all can read the rest. Basically Ben says that around 15 touches or so when Antonio Gibson is healthy is what we should all expect. I loved, as you know, Antonio Gibson coming out of Memphis, absolutely loved him. He's not the back that everyone thinks he is, you know, he's not this special out in space, create big plays. In fact, they almost morphed him into a between the tackles thumper in a lot of situations. And then he had some really untimely fumbles last year and super traditional Ron Rivera doesn't want you turning the football over. So then Brian Robinson comes in and might take some of those goal line or important touch opportunities and high value touch opportunities too.
1: I think he's just maybe the most overrated running back in, in the league. He just, he just never fully developed, which is why they added Brian Robinson and why they made sure JD McKissick resigned. So, uh, his ADP has fallen and it's, it will, I think it will continue to fall. I think at some point you can make the upside case, but I think I'm out.
0: And I'm not drafting JD McKissick either at running back 55, because what we remember best about JD McKissick was when he was attached to Alex Smith, who could not be more of a different player than what Carson Wentz is. You know, that was, I got to get the ball out of my hands Jaden McKissick is my check down, and that's that. Um, Carson Wentz wants to plant his feet, not climb the pocket, not move, and he wants to launch the ball vertically. Um, I, and, in, again, in that range, we just talked about it, running back 55. You have, for me, Ty Evans price the Khalil Herberts, the other players like that, when their lead back goes down, they're possibly getting 15 to 20 touches, and that's just not in the range of outcome for J.D. McKissick.
1: Another rant I want to go on is the J.D. McKissick and James White types. You know, like we always like want to like make these guys happen. Just a reminder, J.D. McKissick, when he caught 80 passes a couple of years ago, like you said, it was one you have to have the right quarterback for that to happen. You also have to have some of the worst receiving talent around them for these type of seasons. That James White season that we're always going back to, that was like Chris Hogan was the wide receiver one. You know, uh, this J.D. McKissick, the number two receiver was Cam Sims, Steven Sims, Isaiah Wright, Dontrell Inman. Like those, that was who he was competing against target. Now you have Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Diami Brown, Logan Thomas, Terry McLaurin. He's never going to catch as many passes.
0: Okay. Next up for us, who we're actually way above ADP on is Kenneth Walker. He's going as running back 29 out there. I have him as running back 23, and you're at running back 24. This, I'm not going to say is a similar display to, to what Brees Hall could be, but we just don't know exactly what Seattle's backfield is at the moment. And we're going to get more information as the season goes along. And just from my seat, I know that Rashad Penny was ludicrous last season to the degree, Hayden, that on just 119 carries Rashad Penny had 11 carries, 20 plus yards ridiculous stuff. Now, I believe he just resigned on a one-year deal, then they spend a second-round pick on Kenneth Walker. To me, that points them in the direction for Pete Carroll and the focus that he has offensively that Kenneth Walker at some point this season is going to supplant and take a hold of this backfield.
1: Just throughout history, these types of running backs ultimately take over the job. It might not be in week 1. I actually I would guess Rashad Penny has more carries early on in the season, but to me, Kenneth Walker, I mean, he was absurd. He was my favorite running back in the class. His tape was ludicrous. His big play rate is absurd. Uh, He is so much more shifty than Rashad uh, Penny. Uh, Penny also has some home run threat ability as well, but I think that both of these backs are going to be probably RB threes, uh, and if one of them takes over, then you can have RB two uh, discussions, but to me, like if they get Baker Mayfield, all of a sudden this offense isn't like terrible the offensive line is better than it has been in previous seasons up in seattle they still have the two primary uh wide receivers so i think that baker mayfield comes there and just so Amy anderson reported that behind the scenes where we're getting a lot of uh things done between the seahawks and baker mayfield side to me that's the the decision that or the the, the pairing that made the most sense to me if that happens i think that kenneth walker uh dk Metcalf, Tyler lockett and penny all have a little more upside than that's currently baked into the adps
0: Mentioned just how ridiculous Rashad Penny was in terms of twenty-plus yard carries. Guess what? Kenneth Walker had the most fifteen-plus yard carries in college football last he season. He was so good. He led the FBS in yards after contact and missed tackles forced with uh with eighty-nine. Just a great player, and you're not having to pay a, a pretty penny for it at all at running back twenty-nine. So that's why we're earlier on that. Okay, we talked about AJ Dylan, who's next for us. We talked about Tony Pollard. So the next team. Grouping out there is the Kansas City Chiefs at running back 26. Clyde O'Glair, Ronald Jones running back 41, and he's crept back in. Jarek McKinnon at a running back 59. We've already done a spiel on this, so I'll quickly say it. I loved Clyde Ozulaire during the early parts of his career and what he could be in this offense. And I understand last year he had gallbladder surgery, got down to like 160 pounds, and that probably did impact his play and you're not having to pay nearly what you did last year to get him on your team this year, and it's an offense that we absolutely love. But my biggest concern is going to be touchdowns with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Since week two of his rookie season, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has just 16 carries inside the 10-yard line in 22 games. In that same span of time, Ronald Jones has 30. Okay, I really think that we might be getting a Chase Edmonds-James Conner scenario here. I'm not a huge fan of Rojo. Even me saying this doesn't mean I have a lot of Ronald Jones shares on underdog right now but i just think that if they have to lean on someone in pivotal high value touch situations ronald jones's past his history his presence his skills fits into that much better than cloud edward's layer has
1: this one's so complicated i don't even know how to give advice i'm just going to be reading every athletic and espn column i can possibly find i might move to kansas city to find some more nuggets (laughs) about this i don't know what i don't know how you could project this offense because Rojo's new Jarek McKinnon was playing over Clyde Edwards helaire He was fully practicing in the playoffs, but Jarek McKinnon is old. He's never been able to stay healthy. I don't know if we're going to get a different type of offense with Tyree kill uh, out of the picture. And they might use two more, uh, more tight ends. Like I have no idea what's going to go on here. So like, I'm just going to wait for training camp. I think that Clyde Edwards helaire has the most upside because Ronald Jones is one of the worst third down backs ever. And that's not going to fly. With Patrick Mahomes, but you can sell me on Jarek McKinnon late, I guess. I think that Clyde Edwards has top 12 upside in some universe. In this universe, the odds are pretty low, but I'm not sure.
0: And maybe he just looks better. You know, that that's a potential outcome too. Here's my pitch. CEH and Jarek are not tells when on the field in terms of the pass and run scenarios, even though you know Clyde Edwards saw the least amount of eight man boxes in the league last season Um, and still wasn't very successful rushing the football. Anyways, there's somewhat similar types if you just want to look at archetypes. Uh, So they might split that. They might ride with which one's better, which they did kind of towards the end of last season in terms of the hot hand and then the high value touch stuff, the short yardage stuff, the big put the big body stuff is uh, is Ronald Jones.
1: The counter to Ronald Jones. 1. Maybe he just, ring, he, yeah. he just wants to win a ring, dude. he just wants
0: to win another ring. Okay. Uh, okay. So next up for the backfields groupings, it's the Falcons. Because Cordero Patterson is our running back 30. He's being drafted as the running back 30. Uh, what a weird player. And while we kind of got a feel for who he was last year on this team, after being shocked that he was seeing so many running back snaps, would it surprise you if that totally shifts this season and we see even more Cordero Patterson as a true wide receiver?
1: This is one of those where it just comes back, back to the the training camp reports here because there was like I think three or four different phases to CPAT. There was the wide receiver only phase, there was the early down running back phase, there was the third down running back phase, and at the end of the year it was just Mike Davis phase again, which and Mike Davis wasn't earning more work, but it was like kind of at the expense of CPAT. It took a little bit of time for CPAT to Resigned. They gave him okay money. Uh, I don't know if they're going to line him outside, uh, inside. They have Tyler Algier, who I didn't think was very good coming out of uh, college. I think he's fine enough. Uh, I have no idea what to do with CPAT. All he knows is he's being drafted significantly after how he played like last year. But he was also the guy that was at the top of my fantasy usage model for absolutely dunking on my model uh, nonstop last year. So I, I think he's, I think he's totally fine at his ADP.
0: Yeah, 63 targets last season. And the reason why he kept playing over Mike Davis is that offensive line was so bad that Mike Davis was getting touched three yards in the backfield and he has no juice after breaking those tackles that Cordell Patterson does have explosiveness. So he was able to reel off like seven yard gains or the negative one yard gains for either back on that team. And that's why even despite his, again, prototype, he was like the back inside the 22 because they had to create even explosive plays for them. In that area of the field. You mentioned Tyler Algier. He's going as the running back 47. That's being drafted with the assumption that he is the backup running back on the scene, that he is the running back insurance. That might go to Damian Williams. That's a name and grouping and pairing to follow as we get to training camp
1: too. I'm not sure if I clicked Algier's name
0: yet. Eagles running backs are next because Miles Sanders is being drafted as a running back 27. We're slightly lower than that. Ivan's running back 29. You're all the way down at running back 31. This was another weird backfield. Despite them switching so much to relying on the run after what those first six or seven games, here's how the carries inside the 10-yard line unfolded last year. Jalen Hurts had 22. Boston Scott had 16. Jordan Howard had 14. Miles Sanders had 10. Kenny Gainwell had eight. So even on those 10 carries... And being fourth on his team, Miles Sanders had zero touchdowns last season.
1: He, it was super strange because he was getting like some work, but he was never getting like the high value touches, like you said. And that's how he ended up, this was shocking to me, 182nd in veteran best ball points per game last year. 182nd. He never was a spiked weak player because he wasn't getting the goal line work. Uh Jalen Hurts is not going to be the type to throw the ball to Miles Sanders this year, especially when you have A.J. Brown, uh, Devonta Smith, Dallas Scott. There will not be many uh, running back receptions in this offense. So it basically you need Miles Sanders to steal goal line work. And uh, I was reading the Athletic, and they asked them, uh, "Who's going to be the goal line back?" And the reporter listed Jalen Hurts, and then the next person they listed is maybe Jordan Howard, who's not even on the team. And then they said Boston Scott. They didn't name Kenny Gainwell or Miles Sanders as the short yardage back. So. I think Miles Sanders is overrated. He's a big play hunter, but he's never he, kind of like Antonio Gibson where like all, the whole package hasn't really happened with Miles Sanders, probably too late into his career to expect something. So I think that he is not my favorite pick. Like I think that Melvin Gordon, I'd rather just roll the dice that he pops off if something happened to Jamonte Williams. I don't see Miles Sanders in this exact offense being like a top 10 running back in in, in many of these uh, universes that we play in.
0: And again, Kenny Gainwell's going is running back 48 a lot of people love him just in that area of the draft. It's a blind spot for me, but I'm not getting those backs that have like some standalone value. Like again, we saw at the end of last year in these tournaments, the difference makers are the running back insurance types that get 15 to 17 touches when their stars go down. And you're having to draft the Kenny Gainwell's opposite those with the Khalil Herbert's that I keep on mentioning. And so I just veered towards the latter versus the guy with the standalone touches, but depending on the build, it might be a different decision.
1: I'm looking. Miles Sanders had 15.7 and 15.6 half PPR points into the games. The rest were in the single digits, except he had one with 13. So it was just he was just never scoring that many touchdowns. Next backfield to talk about is the Patriots.
0: We already have a full video on Ramondre Stevenson. I'll save you some time on that. But Damien Harris, despite being like I think the running back. 17 last season also having 15 rushing touchdowns last year which was tied for second most in the league uh he's being drafted as a running back 30 Ramondre is the running back 38 james white all the way down at running back 69 um i was a big damien harris person last year i'm in on Ramondre this year he's that third running back for me that i have in 34 of my teams uh, i just love the big playability that he brings to the table this year i mean Yards after the catch per reception last year, it was James Conner, Jonathan Taylor, and Ramondre Stevenson. If we look at big plays, 10-plus yard runs, 20-plus yard catches, only three players were over 15% of those per their attempts. Nick Chubb, Rashad Penny, and Ramondre Stevenson. Like, he just doesn't have to clear the hurdle of being a rookie back on the Patriots anymore, and I just – Don't think it's going to be as big of a disparity as we see for the touchdowns last season scored between the two backs and Damian versus Ramondre.
1: Yeah, I think where they go in ADP is like totally justified. I would have Damian Harris over Ramondre Stevenson, but I'm totally with you that Ramondre Stevenson could have a pretty big touchdown ceiling. Uh, Very curious what they're going to be doing on third downs. Uh, Mike Reese had James White left off of his uh, 53-man projection. He thinks that he'll start the season on the pup list, which would mean he's out for four games. He also mentioned that he hasn't just been doing a whole lot and he hasn't been moving around a uh, very significant hip injury. So I don't know who's going to play third downs. Currently it's JJ Taylor, who is very tiny. Um, we'll see if that's Ramondre Stevenson or if it's JJ Taylor, maybe it's one of these rookies. I would probably bet against that. Maybe it's even Damian Harris. I have no idea what's going to go down. It's just basically who's playing goal line, who's playing uh, passing downs and we'll just have to grind the athletic to figure that out.
0: Ramondre's played a ton for a rookie in this system, you know, a ton. I don't think we're going to see either of those rookies unless they're ludicrous talents doing what he did this past season. And yeah, I mean, the disparity was massive on those high value touches. I mean, Damian Harris had 30 carries inside the 10 and that resulted in 11 touchdowns. Ramondre only had 11 carries inside the 10 and that resulted in five scores. Um, I'm with you. And as you said, is going is running back 38 some people might think that's fair. I haven't ranked all the way up there running back 32. I'm just because of that. Just too many shares to be honest with you. Well, okay. Three more backfields. It's pretty amazing too for a Patriots backfield that was so profitable for people last year that as a grouping, they're being drafted the fourth lowest, like 29th in yep. the league as the pair. That's pretty astounding when you think about it, and how they're going to continue probably to play.
1: Damian Harris was forty six and better in ball points per game overall, and he's being drafted ninety seventh overall. So, like, I think, I think, I think Damian Harris is a, a reasonable pick too. Yeah. The other part of this I want to add
0: is it's l- the last season on Damian's contract. And so this is a little bit of forward thinking, too, that we see either at the start of the year or towards as it goes along. If Ramondre continues that big play upside, then they just might want to shift over to that because he might be their back also in 2023. Okay. The next team up is the Miami Dolphins. Chase Edmonds being drafted as a running back 36, Raheem Mostert running back 56. And yes, Sonia Michelle back in our lives as the running back. 62 um i have Chase Edmonds right at ADP you have him a couple spots after i just went back and listened to our video on him signing it was the first signing of free agency that might be the biggest flag in the corner in a positive way for Chase Edmonds right because the fit is there he's a great zone runner outside zone big play guy but what he never did in Arizona was carry the ball inside the 10 and inside the 20. We know that was James Connors forte. And so, as we just said at the top, Sonny Michelle was fourth in the NFL last season in carries inside of the 20 last year. And Raheem Mostert might not do that either. So are we seeing maybe some Cardinals or Ramsing of this running back room despite how punctual Mike McDaniel and the dolphins were in signing of Chase Edmonds.
1: Chase Edmonds is like the easiest fade to me. Like I'm not going to lose any sleep over fading Chase Edmonds. Basically anybody from this backfield, it's going to be a rotation. They're going to be slow paced. Like looking back at last year, uh, based off the fantasy usage, the 49ers uh, were at the bottom of the list. And I think that's what Mike McDaniel is going to do. It's going to be slow paced offense. They have guys to throw the ball to a little bit. And I think that, Chase Edmonds, even if he is the third down back, which I'm fully expecting, I don't understand why they would throw a single screen to him when you can throw a screen to Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. So hmm. Sony Michelle, I don't know if he, if he's going to be the goal line back. I don't know if Raheem Mostert's going to get there on uh, Who is the 20s. It? You know, like like
0: if Chase Edmonds is viewed as that, that's pretty amazing, and I think then we're getting great value on this.
1: But well, but we, I I just don't see it. Like, do you do you see a top 12, top 15 running back upside case for any of them? I don't.
0: I could listen to a top 20 if Chase Edmonds is the one getting the carries inside the 10, for sure.
1: And but was, he only broke was,
0: 16 missed tackles last season. You know, yeah. like that's just not his game. He's, so. he's too small. Bill's running backs are next. Speaking of offense that we love, and Hayden, you have a great spiel on this that you've given multiple times this offseason. Devin Singletary is being drafted as the running back 34. James Connor, or excuse me, James Cook is being drafted as the running back 35. We are. <laughs> Significantly lower on ADP than both, like running back 39, running back 44 for James Cook. Why, when this is an offense that we want pieces of?
1: Because they were 26 in their running back usage last year, and that was with Devin Singletary playing most of the year uh, as the bell cow, like especially late. like I think it was like week 13 they, they lost a game, and they basically sent... Zach Wilson or uh, Zach Moss to the bench, Matt Breida to the bench. And even with those Devin Singletary games, he was like the bell cow and he was like the RB 24. So I just don't see how with James cook there, I just don't see a true upside case unless there's an injury. And that, that's why I'd rather have Devin Singletary, but Devin Singletary was just not good as a passing down back and James cook. That's what he's going to do. So you're splitting uh bottom 10 usage between two players. That's usually not a good recipe. And the
0: Bills chased a player of the JD McKissick, James Cook elk this off season. I don't think drafting James Cook signifies they want to run the football more because it's to me just a door we haven't seen of this offense where you can create explosive plays in the passing game from someone that can line up from a variety of spots that is a quote unquote uh, running back. And as we've talked about, and you can go watch our quarterback show or Josh Allen clip, He's fantastic inside. He just carries the team inside the 10 and inside the 20.
1: Yep. As a reminder, Devin Singletary averaged 7.2 half PPR points when he was splitting the workload uh, through the first 12 games. So unusable.
0: And maybe, look, we can get rookies wrong. Maybe James Cook shocks me. But when you agree to a contract with J.D. McKissick and then as soon as Brandon Bing makes a selection of James Cook and says this is what we wanted from J.D. McKissick, Jaden McKissick never would have changed this rushing attack, you know? Yeah. So if that's the vision for the player, then that's probably the same vision that they have for James cook. Just trying to read between the lines here. Okay. And we close with the Houston Texans where many things close with Damian Pierce, I'm not going to say cheap. I'm not going to say re- he's like in this weird spot right now for a guy who really didn't play all that often at, uh, at Florida. I don't think he had more than 26 snaps in a single game during his time with the Gators. He's being drafted as running back forty, and yes, it's the Texans. I'm a fan of Pep Hamilton. Maybe a hot take to close this. It wouldn't be surprising to me if Marlon Mack at running back fifty seven is this team's leading rusher for the first eight weeks of this season.
1: And that would get you to what in running I'm back just. I I, I I hear you. I hear you. The Damian Pierce ADP makes no sense to me. I, and I loved. I mean. We oh, it was went on fun. He's electric. He's a bowling we, ball, we were on you know, him. and I, I, I can't draft him. Come on,
0: No, that, that, that is way too rich at that spot. When I can get maybe Ramondre Stevenson, two spots before when he's a proven commodity and the big plays that he's already had. Um, look, if everything clicks for Damian Pierce, who is also an animal in pass protection, like it's all fun. The evaluation is intriguing, but this is a leap. This is a massive step to already be taking him as running back 40. I'm not saying I'm taking Marlon Mack at running back 57 either. But again, if you're looking for like maybe the lead back in the first eight weeks, I'm not going to say he's the favorite, but the prices are a bit not proportional here.
1: Rex Burkhead's making $2.5 million this year. Hey, (laughs) you can draft more than Rojo. I I bet it's more than Marlon Mack.
0: That's more than Rojo. Okay. I think that does it. We just talked about every backfield and this might be our longest show that hasn't been tied to an event at uh, at two hours. We appreciate all of you tuning in. Got some great comments from Big Tips, from Dave, from Nick, from Cell, from Scampers, from Eric, from Tony, all of you. Um, and just like a little bit, if you're watching here live, after the round one of the NBA draft tonight, go to Underdog's NBA channel. Wob is doing a radio roulette, which if you've never hit that show, there's nothing quite like it on the internet. Go and tune in. He is electric. The callers are absolutely electric. So keep that in mind as the end of the first round is hitting. Log in to Underdog NBA's page and you'll see Wob on his YouTube channel. Okay. Out of here in two hours. For Hayden, I am Josh. We'll see you all next week. Up the Villa. Talk to you all soon. See ya.